Now we're recording to our live custom stream. Man, I cannot believe it. We're on episode 175. Rob Condala back with us again. Last time you were here, I think it was episode 95. Is that right, Rob? It sounds about right. Episode 95 about a year ago. So um, a lot has happened in that last year. So it'll be exciting to talk through it a little bit. I am really excited tonight. This is so incredible. I mean, I'm so glad that we're able to talk for a half an hour before the show starts because, you know, I got this preview of what uh, Rob's going to talk about and you guys don't know yet, but it's absolutely amazing. Well, anyways, welcome everybody. My name is Sean Simons, PPG Grandpa over here at PPG Grandpa's Paramotor Podcast, ClearProptv.com and Paratalk.org. Tonight we got Rob Condella. He has been traveling the United States, living the dream. And in just a moment, we're going to hear his dream. But real quick, let's go ahead and chat with our uh, panel members real quick to introduce you. We got Scuba Steve. Man, Scuba Steve, I'm digging the hair, man. I, I haven't haven't seen in a couple weeks. I, I guess you got a haircut. I had to. It was getting too long, man. Had to had to trim it down a little bit so I could see. You know, you don't want any kind of flight dangers hair blowing in front of your eyes. Never even thought about that. I've been letting my hair grow. So, <laughs> <laughs> so how you been, Scoop Steve? Good, good. I mean, the the weather here has been there. There's been no flying. We've had almost every single day between 16 to 20 mile an hour winds with 26 to 30 mile an hour gusts. There's there's no flying right now. <laughs> All oh, I'm going to say gonna is send it, Scuba Steve. Send I'm not sending it. that. No. <laughs> it sounds like he just needs a smaller glider and he'll be fine. Ah, there you go. Smaller glider. Get up there and get whipped around. That's pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, anyway, you do a podcast on Fridays. What is that all about, Scuba Steve? Yeah, Friday, I usually talk about vaping stuff, sometimes paramotor stuff. If you want to check out my channel, just go to paramotordude.com. I'm on from 8 to 10 Eastern every Friday night. So come check it out. Absolutely. I wish I was gonna I wish I was able to, but I was on a you know cruise ship. We're having way too much fun to even think oh, about heck yeah. I'm sorry, man. I, I should have thought about you instead of having fun on this cruise ship. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, glad that you're here, buddy. Good to see you again. All right. We also got Jim from Canada, eh? The only guy I know that has maple syrup smelling money and sent down a cloud of smoke from Canada to New York and across the United States. How you doing, big buddy? I'm doing well, thank you. <laughs> so you are our official sponsor over here at ClearProp TV, PPG Grandpa's Paramotor Podcast over at carepp.com. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you do and what we can get from you. And I heard that I'm worth about 10%. You betcha. You mentioned PPG Grandpa and you'll get 10% off. Anything you purchase for, um, for printing at our shop and uh, graphic design the whole caboodle you get it 10 percent off i love it so so you do the graphic design too so if i wanted a logo or something you'd do that or was, is that what you're talking about yeah for sure or, really when, when did you I start mean, that if you, if you when did i start that 20 years ago why haven't i not even thought about that why haven't i not known about that i thought it was just decals and stuff well who designs them who makes them you, I, I don't know. I thought that we <laughs> sent in the design. I didn't know that you made your own uh, uh, logos and stuff for it. That's really cool, man. Sure. You have, I have to usually set everything up for people. 
because they don't know what they want or they don't have what they want. So we set it up for them and then print it and send it out to them. Some nice. people send me their designs, but not very many. So maple syrup smelling designs. I love this. This is great. It's maple syrup smelling designs.com, right? <laughs> I, I've got to find that that solution that Ryan showed me. He said he, he got me some uh, like essential oil or something that I can put on things that smells like maple syrup. Wow, that is so cool. Well, can't wait to, to smell um, some decals and some custom made logos over at carepp.com. Have you been able to do any flying uh, since you know you started that fire up there? No, I haven't. I, I've been uh, actually, I, well, I guess I did. I did a little bit of flying. I went to the butt fan dust off and that was during bad apples. And I was able to uh, borrow a paramotor. I flew a, Ma a Maverick Adam 80, which was very interesting. Uh, 3,500 feet takeoff. And I, yeah, I didn't really like that because I wasn't able to go up very fast it was you'll be fine quite the experience that, that was like sure. me trying to take off on an atom 80 you got to run a long way if you're well like me i'm over i'm 257 pounds right now yeah but at 3500 feet was, oh yeah I was okay through some power lines and i ended i had to start circling in order to get above the power lines i was very surprised by it very surprised. Yeah, I think from my experience at 240 pounds is probably the max you want to be on an Atom 80 because the climb rate, even at sea level or just a couple hundred feet above sea level for me, not that great. So yeah, I understand what you're saying. But uh, definitely, Jim, glad that you're here, buddy. If uh, you want to get some really cool decals, which is decals for us, but decals for the Canadian peeps, uh, go over and check out carepp.com. Want to see his shenanigans? Careppg.com. Good to see you, Jim. We also got Will Fly from Will Fly PPG. What's up, big dog? You had a long trip too, huh, from Florida? Yeah, man, just getting back today from Florida, Bowling Green. Uh, hit the first annual fly it for gauge flying had a good time I think they had a little over 50 pilots there and you know what I got to meet Tony and Angela Preslick excellent they're cool yeah they're yeah cool I got to hang out with those guys and so uh, usually they're in the chat but I just had a good time you know didn't fly a lot got the cracked exhaust that whole thing you know <laughs> right there on the elbow you got the cracked exhaust. I got a cracked exhaust. Yeah, oh my I, did, God. I did my dang just to you know try to wipe it off, and no, uh, it wouldn't wipe off. So it was definitely a crack. <laughs> you know, Will, that's why I'm out of the air too, and cracked that's why exhaust. I had to borrow that Adam eighty was because I got halfway to that that uh, lion, and I found a crack in my exhaust. And the in the elbow. Yeah. Well, maybe we could talk about that later in the show. That sounds that good. I got it. Well, definitely. I still got mine from years ago when mine cracked because it looks like everybody's crack is the same design, same crack in the same area on. Everybody has a crack in the same area. Yeah, you caught that. Good deal. All right. So uh, if you got, <laughs> so uh, have, have you posted any videos yet over on your channel? 
The last video I posted was just the tip 9.0, and that was Bad Apples 2023. So, yeah, check that out at uh, willflyppg.com. Excellent. Can't wait to see Fly It for Gage when you get that up. Hopefully it will be this year. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Will. Appreciate you. We also got ParamomUSA.com, our very own Linda hey, Anderson. Welcome, welcome. Woo! Oh, welcome my God, Will. I'm still cracking up. That was funny. I mean, that, that that's a visual, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Monday night. I'm glad like we're all back together again. It seemed like forever and ever and ever. And uh, I would just want to say hi and give a shout out to, uh, to Jade. Just hang in there, girl. I love you. Eric, stay strong for your, for your little woman. She needs you. And um, I'm just very thankful I got to do my second tandem Memorial weekend. And uh, I had a blast. It was like so much fun getting up in the air. And then my son, Ryan, he, he went up and so did his girlfriend. So we all got to experience again together. And as you saw in the video, I was just like, oh my gosh, you guys, that adrenaline, the, it, the adrenaline the whole day, the rest of the, you know, did not stop the whole night. You could see me dance around and everything because I was just like so super stoked to get, you know, get back up in the air and get my, get my tandem and my tandem ride or whatever. And uh, if you guys, you listeners, um, you know, if you've never done it before, you got to do it just once. And either you're going to love it or you're going to hate it. That's how I look at it. And I loved it. I loved it. So I got up in the air. I said hi to my daddy -o that, you know, that passed away in May. And so I was up there saying hi to him over kind of we were flying by Lake Michigan and it was beautiful. So thank you everybody for joining us tonight. It's going to be a great show. It's not about me. It's about Robert. So I'm going to just sit back and enjoy. Was that good? What do you think? How did you do, Grandpa? That was absolutely excellent. Absolutely excellent. If you want to be on the show or want more information, Lynn Anderson is yeah. a person to go to go over to paramomusa.com it does forward over to her facebook page <laughs> say hi and say i want to be on the show i uh, want to be on her show because obviously I, it's not my show no more which is all right thanks I, I and before that we part, drill but... robert i wanted to ask the main question everybody's going to ask what motor do you fly on what wing <laughs> do you have do you prefer foot launch or do you even have a trike and go that, right. that that is true um but but real quick before we get to uh, oh, okay <laughs> uh, uh flying flamingo jade if you haven't heard uh she had a mishap um she is in the hospital if you uh get the chance go over to her facebook page and say hi and wish her well um and uh obviously we're wishing her well right now flying flamingo jade uh we love you girl uh get well soon and uh Hopefully we'll find 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 you in the air soon. Absolutely. Robert, what's up, my friend? The man that is living the dream. He is traveling all over the United States. He has gone to more fly-ins than I can even list on this paper that I have here. He lives in his van. He takes a shower once a year, but I tell you what, this guy is definitely living the dream. Everybody, bravo, bravo to Rob. What's up, buddy? Good to see you again. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on again. And uh, the shower once a year. I mean, I shower more than once a year, but not that much more. So, um, yeah, people always say, hey, you're living the dream. You know, that's awesome. And I always sort of say, like, it's my dream. You know, it's not everyone's dream. For some people, it'd probably be a nightmare, especially uh, 
not showering every day or knowing where you're going to send your Amazon packages. So there's, you know, there's always um, every day is an unknown. Where am I going to sleep? What's going to happen? Who am I going to meet? But um, I like the adventure of it. So yeah, you know, I've been just continuing uh, the whole van life thing and flying and flying and van life is a, is a perfect combination. So I'll just keep with it till I, I get, I get bored. But uh, I guess to start off with just some, some basics um, as far as like what I'm flying and that kind of thing. Um, I've been flying for the last three and a half years. I learned back in January of 2020 and I learned down in Cancun, Mexico, and I've been obsessed with flying ever since. Um, but yeah, so what I'm flying right now, I'm on an 18 meter, uh, BGD Luna two. I recently just, uh, got a 20 meter Luna two shipped to me last week. I'm going back up to the 20 just because I like the 18 cause it's sporty but it burns a lot of gas and the climb rate's not that good. So for some of the future trips I've planned, it's probably a little bit more important for me to get two plus hours of flying and to have that faster climb rate than the dynamicness and the wing overs and the playfulness. I like it, but um, you know, there's time and place for it. So I'm gonna go back up to the 20 meter. As far as motor frame combo, I'm on a, a Parajet Maverick with the Moster 185. And for a little extra thrust, I have the three blade on there. But um, yeah, so that's my, my setup. And that's what I've been rocking. I've had the, the Parajet Maverick since I started. So uh, it's been suiting me well. That's excellent. Now, the last time that we've talked on here was episode 95, I think it was. I think that's what we looked back at. And you were ready to go to an SIV course. How did that work out? How did you enjoy that? And then what happened from there? Yeah. So yeah, we left off at the SIV. So I survived the SIV. So that's, that's a good thing, right? You never know when you go into that. I think you have to be prepared for the worst case because you're putting that glider into some crazy shapes or some crazy almost knots. Um, but yeah, it was fun. Learned a lot from it. Glad I did it. And I think like anyone, you're, you're a little bit nervous. You don't know what to expect going into something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I did an SIV down with Andy Fuller down in Florida and it was awesome. It was great. We had a good time, good weather. Um, and I went through the full, the full motion, you know, everything that he sort of, um, you know, teaches people, especially for their first SIV, you know, just going through the basics all the way up to just full stall. Okay. Another full stall. Okay. Another one. So, um, yeah, it went well. I liked it. I think it was beneficial just to get rid of that unknown. Um, haven't done one since, but maybe I'll, I'll do a refresher at some point, uh, there was my first full stall I did. I thought uh, it went perfect, you know, like it was just beginner's luck, I think. And I was like, oh man, that was easy. That worked out great. Timing was good. And he's like, hey, buddy, look great. Do another one. So I'm like, okay, I got this. This is easy. I do a second one, got rocked around. I wasn't paying attention to keep my body centered in the full stall. And I went into riser twist and then chaos broke loose um, after what felt like a lifetime. And I thought about throwing my reserve ones. Um, it sort of worked itself out. So I would love to say like, oh, dude, it was it was me. I, I did this. I did that and undid the tangle. I just yanked and like sort of looked at stuff for a few minutes. And then the glider just sort of, you know, untwisted, reopened and, you know, saved my butt. But overall, the SIV was was a great time. Um, but yeah, can, since then, it's can, been just can I interrupt for a quick second about that. The, sure thing. You got the you did the stall. You got the riser twist and it collapsed. Did it, it open first and then untwist? Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I got to remember it now, but yeah, it was, went into the stall. It was stalled. I went to like, you know, hold it for a second and it was about to go into backfly. 
And I think, yeah, I let one side up faster than the other. And it sort of, you know, maybe, you know, when it opened, it sort of shot and then twisted, like sort of wanted like a heli on me. Uh, it did at least one full twist, maybe a twist and a half. And so it was open and it was sort of starting to go like nose down and I was rotating. So I remember like, oh, if I go nose down and rotate, you know, throw that reserve. And it briefly went there and then sort of went to back overhead and, you know, some tugs on the brakes and some shifting of my body. Um, I don't know if it did anything, um, but after a few seconds, uh, you know, that glider, because it was open, it sort of wanted to fly and it just sort of shot me around in a 360. And I just checked the brakes a little bit and uh, gave one of those uh, sighs of relief. Like, whew, okay, well, <laughs> that was exciting. I'm up. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. So what's tell us about your van that you have that you i'm i'm really curious because you travel the country to go flying how many miles are on that van and yeah. what kind of setup do you have yeah so it's a uh, 2018 ford transit van it's the high roof version um it's not the extended body um but it's uh just the regular you know uh size length with the high roof and uh, the van was originally purchased because I did a lot of mountain biking. I still love mountain biking, but it's taking a backseat to the flying. But I built the van as a weekend warrior mountain bike, travel up and down the East Coast and, and ride every weekend. And then as I got into flying, it just also worked out great, ironically, for uh, paramotoring. So um, paramotor fit in the van perfect. And uh, it's been a dedicated paramotor van. I still have the mountain bikes in there in case I get that itch to go ride. But yeah, I bought the van just slightly used, a year old, 13,000 miles on it. And right now I have 116,000. So, um, you know, I've put a decent amount on it in the last, I've had it for, I don't know, four, four and a half years. Um, and it's all fun miles. Um, I never used it to commute to work or anything like that. So just strictly fun. Um, but yeah, it's been treating me good. Uh, no issues with it. You know, I've, I've replaced, you know, done the oil changes, re replaced the brake pads, but nothing, nothing than that, you know, just your regular stuff. With that being said, uh, on the way back from Kansas to Pennsylvania, because I just returned to Pennsylvania a day and a half ago, um, the back end started making some funny noises, this grinding, screeching noises. So I know my brake pads need to be replaced, um, but it sounds more like maybe the wheel bearing went bad. I, I don't know. I just kept my headphones on and just kept pushing because I have um, some timelines I need to meet. And I didn't really have the time to get it checked out. So luckily the van did make it back. I'm hoping it's minor. I'm hoping it's something to do with the brake pads or maybe a wheel bearing. But other than that, that van's been awesome. Um, people ask me all the time, hey, would you recommend the Ford Transit van? Yeah, I've had nothing but um, good luck with it. I I do the same thing. If I hear noises in my car, I just put in ear earbuds. It's like, it's not happening. It's not yeah. happening. <laughs> if you don't hear it, yeah, it doesn't exist. <laughs> That's awesome. So I'll get that checked out in a few weeks. I'm going to be parking the van. This will be the longest um, I've ever parked the van, but um, I'm going to be, you know, flying um, in another country. So that'll be future Rob's problem when I come back. Now, as far as uh, going overseas, you did go to where so far? Yeah. So uh, recently from the last time we spoke, um, I was down in Mexico, Baja, Mexico for the last roughly five months. And towards the tail end of that trip, um, I had an opportunity to head down to Colombia and I didn't drive the van there. I, I flew there and they had a motor for me. And I spent a few weeks down there um, flying, 
uh, hanging out with some of the local pilots and um, that was an awesome experience. So yeah, um, international wise, it's been Baja, Mexico and Colombia so far. And you plan on going other places too around the world? Yes, sir. Yeah. So uh, a week today, next Monday, I'll be on a plane actually at this time or close to it. Yeah. 8 p.m. My flight leaves um, headed back to Iceland. So um, it was one of those places when I was there the first time I was like, well, I just want to go. It'll probably be a once in a lifetime thing. And then once I was up there flying, I was like, this can't be a once in a lifetime thing. This is too good. Uh, I have to go back. Um, so a week today, uh, I'll be on a plane leaving out of Newark, um, direct flight to Iceland. I am so incredibly jelly. It sounds like <laughs> it's going to be absolutely incredible going over to Iceland. Um, but I'm sure that a lot of people are wondering, it's like, um, how are you affording this? Do you have sponsors or something like that? Is GoPro saying, hey, use our GoPro. We'll, we'll sponsor this whole thing for you. What, what do you got going on, bud? You know, I wish I could say uh, GoPro sponsors me. I think at this point, I've been using GoPro since they came out. You know what I mean? Since the original Hero GoPro, I've had it and I, I purchased every one up until the Hero 11. Um, but I guess you had to take a step back with this. Um, last September, um, you know, I've been working full time as uh, an engineer for a decade. And, you know, I was just one of the, it was, I was in a point in my life where I was like, do I want to continue down this path? You know, it was a comfortable job and all of that. But I just saw myself just getting complacent, not pushing myself um, professionally in my career. And, you know, just maybe I wanted to change, but I knew I didn't really want to just jump right into another job. You know, it's just, you know, life's short and like, you know, you don't need to work the whole entire time. So I sort of started making a plan to save some money and to leave my job. So that's, that's what I did. I saved money and I left my job. So uh, September 16th of last year, I just sort of, I would say I put it in my two week notice, but I did not. I, uh, I just left. I stopped showing up and uh, hit the road. So um, what I've been calling this, this chapter of my life, it's the, the radical sabbatical. Um, so every time I'm in a position where someone asks me to do something, I'm like, if it sounds rad, I'm like, I feel like that goes with the theme of what I'm doing. So uh, yeah, I'm currently on my radical sabbatical since September. So I don't know how many months that is at this point. Uh, maybe eight months or so. Um, and for how long it'll go, I guess, and, until I, I, it stops being fun or I run out of money, uh, whatever comes first. But um, hopefully it's the, the uh, run out of money part and not that it's no longer fun. Um, so pretty much it's all self-funded. I mean, I do have some sponsors. So, um, you know, that does help things, but, you know, it's it, you know, some free t-shirts, you know, like or, or something like that. It's not, it's not much. So it's pretty much all out of pocket. And um, yeah, I planned for it. So it's, you know, it, it was like, you know, the, the funds are there for it. But hopefully, I've, you know, I've been trying to be smart with my money and spend it on what's important and not just, you know, spending on anything. Um, and it's been it's been going well. So hopefully I can continue this for, I don't know, you know, six months, a year, two years. We'll see. Time will tell with that. Hopefully forever. If you want to shout at your sponsors, you're more than welcome to shout out sponsors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So right now, I mean, I fly for uh, BGD. I've been flying for them for a few years. Um, Skybeam, uh, like they make the chase cam. So if anyone has seen some of my pictures or videos, a lot of times it's, you know, chase cam, you know, with the GoPro. Um, so they've been real generous um, just to you know keep me going. You know, I'm, they can they call me a, a heavy user of their products. So um, just from using it almost every day, you know, of course, it's going to wear out and break and that kind of thing. So 
Um, they've been, uh, Martin at, at Skybean has been awesome to just say, hey, make me a list. What do you want? What do you need? Give me an address. And he, he just keeps me going with that. Um, I have a few others in the work right now, um, but in the works, but uh, it's not official yet. So yeah, I'm going to keep that quiet. And hopefully in the next possibly week or two or month or two, it'll all be official and contracts will be signed. Um, so that'll, that also help me out as well. Um, so I'm excited for that, but yeah, pretty much just self-funded and, uh, making the most of it. It sounds like Red Bull. I mean, it, it, that would be nice, you know, wink, wink. It could be, but I go, go Red Bull, Red Bull, GoPro, you know, I'll take maybe a Ford sponsorship. They can send me a new Ford van. That'd be cool. Yeah, There you go. I mean, I'll, I'll take anything, you know what I mean? If it's a product I use, you know, and I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll rock it. Send me some money. That's excellent. Um, hey, Will Fly, is there any questions in the Super Chat? Yeah, there are. Uh, Shane's Planet Shane is asking if Baja Living is easier slash cheaper than the States. Um, I would say to answer that, yes, it is. But, um, I mean, there are challenges. You know, Baja is pretty spaced out. It is pretty remote in certain areas. When you get into the cities, it's easy to find your common amenities for the most part. But um, when you're out at some of these LZs that we find, because we're just sort of, you know, we're just looking for them. We're on Google Maps or we're just out there driving and we're just looking for anything that looks cool and that can be flyable and, and, and launchable. Um, it isn't as cheap as I think a lot of people pitch it uh, because you're still consuming a lot of gas, right? You're putting, I'm putting gas in the van, I'm putting gas in the paramotor and everything's in liters there. And so I don't know what it compares to per gallon, you know, like what it costs in the States, but it didn't seem like it was any cheaper. It seemed like every time I was filling up, I was spending a hundred or $150 combined with the, with the van and the paramotor gas. So for me, um, you know, I have that 18 meter, I do burn a lot of gas. And when I get up there, I fly until I'm out of gas. Like I just, I, 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 I get disappointed if I land with five liters in the tank. Um, uh, so I have the 17 liter Parajet uh, gas tank. I, I would say 95% of the time, fill that thing up to 17 liters and take off. Uh, so uh, yeah, I have uh, the VP cans, six gallons each. So I'm always traveling around with about 18 gallons of paramotor gas before I need to go into town and, and refuel. But um, yeah, there's so it's, it's not as cheap, like the food's a little bit cheaper, but it also depends on where you're buying it and, you know, where you're going. If you're just buying tacos from a street stand. Yeah, of course, it's cheap. If you're going to go into some of the, you know, you're going to go into Cabo, you're going to go into La Paz and you're going to go to a sit down restaurant and eat every day. Eh, it's not really going to be much cheaper. Um, but if you do it right, yeah, it's, it's easier down there as far as finding the LZs and it's cheaper. Um, that's the one big thing I would say that is really nice, even compared to the States, you can argue that, you know, Utah, Arizona, it's almost as easy. It's just, there's LZs everywhere. You know, the land is just open. There's a lot of it's not fenced off. So if you just see a nice flat area, you could park your vehicle there and take off. And almost no one's, I, no one ever gave me a problem with using any of the land, you know, um, for the most part, I think it was all just sort of unclaimed land, or even if it was private, no one. No, no, came up to me and said, hey, you need to move your van or you need to you can't fly here. Um, the locals were, were very, very nice. They were always actually pretty much excited to see the paramotors. You know, they they have the Baja 1000 down there, they, the fishing villages. They're sort of used to noise and 
gasoline and horsepower sort of thing. So um, anytime we had someone like chase us in a vehicle, because a few times it got a little scary. We're like, wow, this person's like following us in this car. And then maybe after 15, 20 minutes, they have, you know, a, a surveys out the window and they're, they're shaking the beer and they just want to, they want to see us land and come talk to us, you know, and, and ask us about the paramotors. Um, so that was pretty cool. They went from being terrified that these people are going to, something's going to happen to us to like, Oh, it's probably someone just chasing us because they want to see where we're going to land to talk to us. Well, it's interesting because we also got a, uh, another question in the super chat, uh, scuba Steve, uh, can you, uh, read that last one that you did for will fly? Steve. All right. Well, he posted that um, he said, uh, what has been Rob's scariest flight? So my scariest flight, I mean, there have been a few um, not so pleasant flight, not so pleasant flights down in Baja. I would say my scariest flight was actually in a, a really popular beach um, called Tecolote. It's a real popular beach where a lot of people camp there. There's a lot of van life meetups. And there's this other section of it called Belandra. It's, it's really famous. A lot of people who have flown down there normally get a wing cam shot. And it's this like cove and it's got really blue water, white sand. And it's got these like ripples in it. Um, you guys might have seen a picture or two. I've posted a picture of it. Um, but I was there with my buddy Lucas. Um, so just to take a step back, all of this trip, I did it with my buddy um, Joe Orzi. Um, some people, some of you guys might follow him on Instagram or Facebook. Um, his handle is sky packing um post some really nice pictures i mean he's done a lot of drone work in the past and now with the paramotor he's been capturing a, a lot of really nice handheld pictures so he's up there with a sony camera and getting some real beautiful content i mean dozens of you know uh magazine cover worthy photos um but um our buddy lucas came down and he flew with us and me and him were flying at this beach it's around sunset right and those sunset flights, typically the air gets calmer. Well, we were educated after the fact that this area is known to have pirate wind. So I guess pirates back in the day would go into this cove to hide. And they knew in the evenings that the wind would push them out of this cove because you would just get these, these crazy uh, offland winds. And um, that's a thing there. So anyone who's flowing there, they sort of know like, yeah, you sort of fly up till about an hour before sunset and you land because the wind's going to shift. It's going to come from being off the water to off land, um, which is sort of, I guess I'm not used to that. Right? I didn't think that would happen. So we're, we'd gone a little cross country flight conditions are so, so, so luckily we didn't go that far and we're coming back and you could see we're, we're sort of over the ocean now. Cause we're trying to stay away from the land because we know something weird's going on. We're getting a lot of rotor off the land. So we're pretty far over, out over the ocean a little farther than honestly we wanted to be, you know, like there wasn't a glide distance to get back to land, but it just seems safer to do that, to risk that than to be close to these massive mountains. And we're flying straight in at the beach. We have maybe, you know, a thousand feet or so flying left before we can hit the, uh, hit land. And I just remember me and Lucas are like almost parked. Now I'm on my 18 meter Luna. He's on an 18 meter Piper. You know, they're not, they're not slow gliders. They're not the fastest, but they're, they could penetrate through a lot. And we're both there and he's slightly in front of me and I just see him. And all of a sudden he just goes up like 20, 30 feet. I mean, he just sort of like disappears. Like he just goes straight up and I'm like, wow, what did he do that? Did he go full throttle? What's going on there? And then I hit that and I go straight up as well. So pretty much for that, you know, at least thousand feet, we're just 
barely moving forward. And we're just like ping pong balls up there, you know, dropping 20 feet, going up 50 feet. I mean, just all over the place. And I'm looking at him since he's in front of me, I'm waiting for him to hit the worser, like hit the gust first. And I'm just waiting to see him take a collapse. And neither one of our gliders actually took a collapse. However, they were just rocking all over the, the place. I could feel my wingtips doing that little, like, you know, they want to collapse, but they're not that little like tug on the brakes. And, uh, I just remember, yeah, like we're making eye contact and I'm like, are we, are we going to die today? Like, this is crazy. And it wasn't just that it was like gusty. I mean, it was just coming over these massive mountains, you know I mean? Thousand, you know, I mean, maybe close to a thousand feet high. So it's just like, wow, this is some serious terrain that this wind's coming over. Who knows what kind of sink or rotor we're, we're going to hit. Um, so we battled that, which it felt like a lifetime. And luckily, you know, it all worked out. We got back to land, land we landed and it was a little, even a little bit of struggle to pack up the gliders. Like you couldn't, um, you know, I'm pulling on the D lines, trying to disable it, spinning out of the wind and that glider's just rolling on itself and you're by the ocean. So it's blowing you towards the ocean. So you're like, okay, I need to get this under control in the next hundred feet here, because if I don't, I'm, it's just going to blow me into the water. Um, so that was one of those flights that was like, we were happy to be on the ground and we definitely celebrated with a few margaritas after that one. It felt like we sort of cheated death. But um, that was sort of an outlier situation. There was a few other ones that were similar, but not near as bad, um, where we just got caught out, got into some rotor along some mountains and just had to battle through it a little bit. But that, that I would say is my, my scariest flight. It was that one with Lucas. That and we, we always talk about the pirate winds. That's our thing. Really scary. And I've never heard mm. the pirate wind before. I mean, I love this because every every Monday night that we do this, I always learn something. I've never heard of pirate wind. So real quick, anybody out there in the in the super chat, have you ever heard of pirate wind before? Uh, yes or no? Let me know in the super chat because that's pretty insane. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think it's something unique to the area, right? So I think that was just what you know, the, the locals in that area on that beach or, you know, in that section of beach sort of know that the wind's going to switch at least there. Maybe it happens for multiple miles down the coastline, but it's just one of those things where, yeah, that they're like, oh, that you got stuck in the pirate wind. When we were explaining to someone who's a local pilot there, they're like, oh, yeah, the pirate wind got you. And uh, so, yeah, that was, that was news to me. But every time I went back there, I was like, not flying at sunset. I'll fly before and I'll, I'll be on the ground before that sun gets close to the horizon. Well, it's interesting because Bill H posted any bad stuff like getting stuck in the mud, but that sounds pretty scary. But I guess the van stuff like getting stuck in the mud or 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 just being stuck someplace, especially when you're out and about and you, uh, in a different country or just on the road. Uh, what kind of bad stuff other than, you know, you plug your ears because you don't want to hear the noise from your your wheels? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, having the vans, right. I and mean, that's, that's a huge risk in itself, having them down there in Baja, the roads are narrow. Um, I, I wrote down some numbers because I, I like to keep track of some stuff while I was on this trip. So the total amount of driving I did in, in Baja was 5,158 miles. So during those, those close to five months, over 5,000 miles, I drove through Baja. I ended up, and now this is between Joe and I, uh, this is this numbers between the two of us, we had 12 toes. So pretty much they were self recoveries where I either towed him out or he towed me out. Normally I was towing him out just because his van wasn't as good in the sand as mine was. Um, he has the Dodge Pro Master with like street tires where I have the Ford Transit with like the knob, the knobbier BF Goodrich all-terrain tires. So, and I think my van's lighter. So it just was less prone to getting stuck. But I mean, that definitely, that definitely was a stressful point for us was 
we're just finding random LZs on Google Maps and just driving. So we never really knew what we were getting ourselves into. Like, where is the road going to get bad? Can we turn around? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we got stuck. And <laughs> the, the last uh, time I got stuck, it took me two days to build a road <laughs> um, to get the van out of there. I drove, I got started getting a little bit confident. You, know, you start taking more and more risks with the vans. And it was this beautiful dry lake bed with these beautiful mountains around it right on the ocean i'm like that's the spot i mean it just looked like the perfect paramotor desert camping spot and i sent it into this and i actually got stuck going downhill in the sand i expected to get stuck coming out of this out of this and i got stuck going in so i knew it was going to be a problem um so it took me two days to build a stone road uh to get my van out of there um, but that's part of the adventure but yeah i mean i think one of the good things and i bought it last minute as well I bought a few like recovery sort of items. So I bought your, you know, your traction boards that you put down underneath the tires, um, like those pla the plastic traction boards, invaluable. I use them so many times on myself, um, with Joe, with random friends that we met, you know, helping them get unstuck. But yeah, so if anyone's going down to Baja, plastic recovery boards, um, a tow strap, you know, that you can, you can hook onto your vehicle and the other person's vehicle. And one of those really nice, like military, like trench shovels, like they're little tiny, like foldable shovels. Um, those three things I used way more than I thought I would. Um, so for under a hundred dollars, I had all of those and we use them all the time. Wow. That is incredible. Um, before we get Will Fly to see if there's any more questions in the super chat, uh, anybody on the panel have any questions for Rob? Because wow, your, your adventures are in incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is that transit is that an all-wheel drive or is it just the front wheel drive so with the transit it's just rear wheel drive um it's a 2018 so they did not make an all-wheel drive van at that time they came out with a tw an all-wheel drive in 2020 um so if you if you ha well, at least you have the option of getting the all-wheel drive um yeah so my van rear wheel drive only and then joe's van uh the dodge is front wheel drive okay that's the one okay so I think we would have gotten a, a stuck a lot less. I mean, I think it would have really at least cut those numbers in half because sometimes we just got stuck slightly. We just need a little tug or just to dig just a little. And we, we were out. There was, there was, it was only a few times where we really buried the vans. All right. Pretty interesting. We'll fly any questions in the super chat. Actually, you got uh, <clears throat> quite a few. So let's, uh, Sal Valdivia is saying that uh, he's asking if sponsors reach out to you or do you reach out to them? How does that process work usually? Yeah. So um, in, in my case uh, with, you know, the, the sponsors I have now and the ones that hopefully I'll have shortly, um, they actually reached out to me, which was really nice. Um, I've, you know, I've thought about reaching out to sponsors, but I sort of thought that, yeah, I don't know. I just, feel better if they reach out to me you know i, I feel like that then like you, your name's out there you know your your content's out there and obviously they're finding value in it you know so it, it seems like a healthier relationship to have them come to you but i don't think it hurts to you know pitch yourself especially if you can prove that you can add value you know like um that you like the brand that you use the brand um and that you know it's right it's a two-way street right it's not just that you get a some free products or you get some money for trips and that kind of thing. I mean, you have to give them value, right? So when it comes down to it, they want to, they want to see you flying, right? They want to see you going to the fly-ins. They want to see you producing content on whatever your platform of choice is, whether that's on Instagram or that's on YouTube or, 
you know, you know, getting a little unique with it. So um, I'm not against reaching out to them, but I just sort of personally prefer not to. Um, Cause I just, well, I just, I just think it's a healthier sort of, I feel like, okay, like they see value in this. I don't feel as pressured. Like, Oh, I got to keep providing all this content because I asked them to give me a discount. I asked them to give me a free product. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Shane's planet Shane is also wondering, are, are you also paragliding or are you strictly paramotoring? So my, my main focus is definitely paramotoring um, because that's what I learned on. I like it. It's a little bit more flexible, especially the places I go, but I love, I love doing the paragliding as well. So mostly when I do paragliding, it's all ridge soaring kind of stuff. So, you know, I actually, I took all my paragliding stuff down to Baja and on one of the really windy days in the La Paz area, there was this nice little ridge, this sand ridge that was maybe 20, 30 feet tall. And it went for, you know, maybe a few thousand feet. And I just played around and ridge soared that for like an hour. And then once the winds calmed down, <laughs> I just sort of dished all my gear by the van, grabbed the paramotor stuff and went to fly for, for sunset. So I want to focus more on paragliding. I think it's especially if, you know, for me, you know, number one priority is to fly, right? I love flying. I love having fun. I want to become better, right? Um, doing all the pictures and all the content, like I said, that's secondary. Of course, I love it. It's fun. But I think paragliding for, from, for, especially for paramotor pilots, it's going to just make you better. It, 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 it has to, right? You're going to be, if your kiting is not that good, you know, paragliding is going to show you that and you're going to become better. And you're just going to be more aware of wind conditions and uh, just weather in general. And uh, maybe it'll expand your flying windows too, because you're going to be flying a little more active air. And you get a little bit more of a bump tolerance created. So for me, I want to focus more on paragliding in the future if I can. Um, but yeah, up to this point, mostly just ridge soaring stuff, not too much thermaline, even though I've been in it, I wouldn't consider myself that knowledgeable of it. Like where, oh yeah, I can find the core and I can go up thousands of feet. It's like, no, I just stumble into it, <laughs> get lifted until I like fly out of it and keep going. Back to you, Sean. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, Sal also said, um, Shout out to beautiful pics and great stories that Rob shares on a regular basis. And also Shane's Planet. Shane says, I bet solar panels are handy dandy in Baja. Yeah, what's oh, your yeah. electrical setup? Yeah, I mean, definitely the solar panels, I mean, are invaluable. It's great, right? So yeah, my whole van, you know, runs off solar. Um, so my solar setup roughly, it's some people have really robust setups. Mine is just pretty basic, but it really gets the job done for my needs. I mean, I'm not, I don't have a gaming computer in there or, you know, some things that really draw a lot of power, even like Starlink. Um, and that's something to talk about as well. That's a game changer. But um, I have 300 watts of solar on my roof. And then I just have one single 100 amp hour lithium battery. Um, and that runs everything in the van as far as like, my roof fan, wall fan, all of the lights, uh, my diesel heater, like run the fan, run the pump, uh, my refrigerator. I mean, and most importantly, it keeps that one wheel charge. Um, yeah. The one wheel, I put a lot of miles on that in Baja as well. It's a great scouting vehicle. Um, me and Joe would always joke. We're like, if we can ride our one wheels to where we want the vans, we know that the vans won't get stuck because the you know if the one wheel sinks into the sand and you you can't ride it any further, chances are the van is also going to do the same thing. So we found a correlation between the two there. Um, and then, you know, the 
hundred amp hours. It'll run my, I have a little inverter so I could charge, you know, my, my iPad or anything that I need um, the, the AC for and uh, DC current. So um, pretty basic setup. Uh, most people maybe have two or 300 amp hours, but um, it's been getting the job done for me so far. Now, if I had something like Starlink where I need a bigger inverter and um, I'm running that, I might have to maybe double up my, my battery capacity and go to at least 200 amp hours. So I was lucky with traveling down there with Joe, he had Starlink. So he was my resource for uh, internet, you know, to get the Wi-Fi and that kind of thing. So one thing I chose to do on this trip, which I think in hindsight, I mean, it could have been a little bit risky, um, but it saved me money was I didn't have a cell phone plan down there. Um, so I never had any data. So if I wasn't connected to Starlink or on Wi-Fi at a restaurant or a coffee shop, I, I didn't have anything. I had no way to communicate with anyone. I wasn't receiving text messages, phone calls. I wasn't able to check Facebook and that kind of thing, which was sort of nice. You know, it was a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a, like a D de- like a detox from social media. Not that I use it a lot, but um, it definitely reduced the amount of time that I was just staring mindlessly at my phone. Interesting. Uh, Scooby Steve, is there any other question in the super chat? Um, Bill H wants to know. Um, well, I guess this is kind of probably for anybody, but have you ever, pardon me, have you ever flown anywhere where people have never seen like a paramotor before? Like, because Bill's saying that natives think they're aliens. So do you have to fly and then? land and explain to them oh this is what this is or yeah so i mean down in baja i mean there's people that fly down there there's some locals that i met you know there's um some tours that take place down there uh like rumbo expeditions or airwave tours you know they do tours so there's there's paramotor pilots that fly down there now they sort of fly in like some you know obviously the, the beautiful areas right but they sort of have a little circuit that they do um near the la paz area so if we're farther up north you know on the sea of cortez side or we're over by the pacific side on the west coast um a lot of times they're, they're probably seeing a paramotor for the first time so um like i was saying earlier they normally seemed they were excited for it i mean they were they're waving they're cheering you know they're not necessarily scared of it they, i mean they think it's cool like i said they're they love their you know, off-road vehicles and all that. So it's just another form of noisy fun having that they're, they're into. So some cool stories with that. Um, I landed the one time on a beach. This family is up along this um, rock cliff right by the beach, real tight area. I mean, it was one of those where my glider was wider um, than the landing zone. So half my glider is almost over the water and then it's, get, it's really close to actually touching this rock cliff. And I, I land because they're all waving me over and the, the wind allowed for it. I felt like it was safe-ish to do but when i landed they handed me a beer so they handed me a a beer in my throttle hand of all hands too so it was really hard to grab and i grabbed the beer squeeze the throttle and i I take off um with the beer and the cool thing is that my buddy lucas also did the same thing he landed behind me after i flew off grabbed a beer so we're both up there like holding these beers like yeah this is awesome we're getting free beer uh, and then we flew by our vans, you know, and, and dropped them by the vans for, for later. So those beers tasted better just because some random Mexican family, you know, handed them to us. And along those lines of like <laughs> families being excited and giving us things, um, this didn't happen to me, but it happened to Lucas at another beach. He landed and the family ran up with a chicken wing and handed him a chicken wing. <laughs> and he's in the sky eating a chicken wing. Like I, I fly next to him and he's like, I'm like, what is he doing? He's eating something. Like I had no clue what was going on. 
And of course we landed and he's like, yeah, dude, they just handed me some food. I'm up there eating. This is the coolest thing. Um, so, um, yeah, in your face, Tucker got with your McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we fought a barbecues. What do you know? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're crashing some Mexican, you know, Mexican family uh, parties. You know, they're giving us some cool stuff. So, um, definitely some cool, unique experiences, right? You don't expect that to happen. We had no locals complain while we were flying. Of course, you know, because it, you, know, you, you can get away with more down there doesn't mean that we did. Right? We try to be very respectful to, you know, flying over properties or lingering in areas for too long or, you know, by, by campgrounds or even sometimes maybe not flying that early because we knew there was someone close by that might get upset. Um, so we never had any kind of issues with any of the locals, at least knowingly. No one ever approached us or showed any kind of visual signs that they were upset. But there were actually a few encounters with um, Americans that were down there vacationing that, you know, just they didn't like us flying by making noise. Um, you know, whether they give you that, like that hand signal, get out of here, or actually ended up talking to one of them. Um, it was just weird because they're just down there on vacation too. You know, they don't own any property. So that's a question. Do you, do you speak Spanish? I mean, obviously, do they do they all speak Spanish down there? Or are you just like, uh, I mean... Right. So, I mean, there, there is a mix of Spanish and English and definitely Baja compared to like mainland Mexico. Baja, you're going to have a lot more of that Spanglish or Eng English speaking um, Mexican culture. Uh, honestly, I know very little Spanish. I thought I would learn more while I was down there for all these months and I still don't know much. Uh, I definitely use Joe as a crutch. Joe has traveled the world. He spent a lot of time in South America and a lot of time previously in Baja. So his Spanish, when I hear him speak, I think he's a, he's a professional. He's an expert at Spanish. Um, he doesn't know everything, but he was definitely able to communicate whatever we needed um, when we got into situations. If we were looking for gas or we were looking for a landmark or something like that, he was able to have conversations or just explain the sport to some families that were interested, you know, whether it was little kids that came up or fishermen or whoever it may be, um, he was able to hold the conversation with them. And honestly, I was pretty jealous of that. You know, he was able to connect on a deeper level than I was. So um, same thing happened to me in Colombia. You know, there's a lot of times where I'm just pointing at stuff and it's this awkward stare at each other. Um, so I, I want to learn it. I say that every time and some somehow I find a reason not to, you know, an excuse not to. But um, it is beneficial. But I will say that was one of my biggest things about doing this trip to Baja. I mean, we can even take a step back as how I even got there. But um I was really worried about not knowing Spanish after being down there for five months. I would say you can get by, you know, it'll be a little bit intimidating that first week or two, you know, cause everything's different. And of course you're going to get into situations where you can't communicate, but it is doable. I would go down there by myself at the current state of not knowing Spanish and feel fine now after being through it. But it is intimidating for someone who just doesn't know the area has never been down there. Doesn't speak Spanish. I know it's intimidating because I was at that point as well a few months ago. So did you ever feel nervous down there due to, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, right. I'll, I'll fill in the, I'll fill in the blanks there, right. The cartel or like, you know, any kind of, you know, getting stuff stolen or the cops harassing you and that kind of thing. Of course you go into it, you know, being worried about all those things and you always got to keep your guard up. I mean, there's always going to be bad people in any country, even, even our own country. So you, you don't want to make yourself too vulnerable. You don't want to leave all of your expensive stuff laying out or leave your car unlocked or um, be going into some questionable parts of the towns at night and that kind of thing. But overall, I would say, no, it was real chill, especially the farther south you go. 
the less you really feel worried about it. There's a lot of other people down there, you know, vacationing like yourself, just hanging out, escaping the cold weather up north. You know, a lot of people from Washington, Oregon, California, really all over the world. But it seems like a lot of them are from that area whenever you met some Americans. But um, we didn't really have any issues um, as far as like any kind of theft or any kind of like shakedowns. With that being said, we did sleep one night in Ensenada in the city uh, on a main road in the van. So I have my van. Joe has his van. And he had his VP uh, race cans. They're on the outside of his van on the back door. And someone cut the lock and stole his gas cans. Now, uh, to their defense, I'll defend them. His lock was pathetic. He needed a bigger. It was like you could have toenail clippers and cut through this thing, you know, like. So it wasn't too secure. Um, but he did have his gas can stolen, um, which was unfortunate. But, you know, that wasn't that big of a deal considering how many valuable things we had. We didn't have any issues with someone trying to open the van or smash a window or that kind of thing. Um, overall, it went really well. Now, this will be, I think it'll be a really closing, a good closing thing to, to touch on. I did have an issue as I was crossing the border, which was uh, a pretty crazy story, you know, and it's unfortunate that it did happen because up until that point, like I said, smooth sailing, it was great. Um, no more risky than traveling really anywhere else in the United States, in my opinion. Um, but at the end, there was a pretty crazy police shakedown where I was in handcuffs, but we can get to that uh, maybe at the end. We'll, we'll end with that one. All right. I can't wait to hear that one. But uh, yeah. John Allen Martin said, talk about the multi-day road building to get out. Now, that sounds like fun before we talk about how did you get out of handcuffs? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, pretty much it was, you know, I wanted to go to that dry lake bed. And the sand didn't look that soft. But I should have known after all these months that, you know, just because it doesn't look soft doesn't, you know, you know, it has a little hard, hard crusty layer and then you sink in. So. I go for it. I should have walked it. I should have sort of felt how hard the, the, the train was. Go at it, almost sink in instantly. So I got myself out of that, but I need to get back up out of that hill. So pretty much what I did was I over, and when I, when I say two days, it was, you know, work for a half hour, take a two hour break or work for an hour, take half a day break. Um, but it probably, it, it took hours and hours and hours. And I would, my body was sore for days after this, but pretty much, uh, two like a two lane while each uh, path for each tire carrying anywhere between 20 and 30 pound rocks and, and and building this this road uh so luckily in that area there was just all these flat rocks um but some of them i had to walk you know uh, 50 feet 75 feet to the area where i wanted to place it so um yeah just building a, a road it was a good workout because i was like well you know i mean i feel like i'm getting you know you know paramotoring it's not very physically active so i was like well you know this is a nice nice workout <laughs> it was towards the end of my trip so you're talking this was early i guess late late may so you know it's 90 something degrees out there so you know you know those guys know they're from arizona you don't you don't want to be out there in the middle of the day carrying <laughs> rocks around you know getting sunburned and <laughs> all that kind of thing but um yeah motoring is not very physically active you have a 17 liter tank that you fill to the top that's uh -huh. that's pretty physical right there to run well, it, it, it nil wind but i mean it's it's a quick uh you know five second burst you know it's full sprint and then hopefully you're, you're in the air at that point okay um but yeah i was really proud of that road honestly i mean uh uh, you know, I took a few pictures and there was, there was a video that Joe took of me driving the van out over it. I just went at that thing, you know, as fast as I felt comfortable, you know, and just 
it, it felt like I just sort of skipped across it. So first go made it out with my, my, my beautiful road, my, my cobblestone road. And I think what made it a little bit nerve wracking for me is it was slightly uphill and it was a little bit off camber and to the right hand side, it was the softest sand, but also it really dropped off real quick right before you got onto this, this main road. Cause the, the road was sort of elevated uh, above all the other terrain. So if I, if I deviated from this road that I made, especially to the right, there was a chance that I would go at, it was at a weird angle where I could have rolled the van. You know, I, I think it would have been, it would have been rare, but it was definitely a possibility, you know, especially because the sand was soft. So if I like the back wheel fell off at the last moment and sunk into that sand, it's so top heavy. I mean, it, I could have rolled it or I would have just gotten it really stuck and I would have really had to find some locals and have them tow me out of there. Um, but it all worked out surprisingly. All right. Uh, Angelus Preslick just asked, um, do you do all your own photography? Because I've been looking at the uh, super chat here. People are saying that your photography is hands down. Number one, John L. Martin said, hands down the best cloud and sunset picked online from a paramotor. So do you do all your own photography or do you hire somebody? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't even do my own flying. I actually have a stuntman that does all this. <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> So I don't do the photography either. That's crazy. You know, but no, actually, yeah, I do. I do all of my own photography. Um, typically I'm using GoPros, right? That's sort of, I guess what I would say I'm known for, right? It's using the GoPros, um, using the chase cam. I love that angle. So I'm using chase cam. I'm using my, I call it the wing cam, which is the magnetic mount on the top of the glider to get those, you know, pictures straight down, uh, 360 camera. And then a lot of, you know, iPhone photos, you know, the iPhone 14 does a great job. So iPhone video, iPhone photos um, work pretty well. With that being said, on this trip, you know, I was with 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 Joe Orzi. Like I said, his Instagram handle is Skypacking. Definitely look him up if you're not following him. He took some amazing pictures of me. So um, we we were on a mission to obviously document Baja more than anyone has. Right, that, that was um, part of. It wasn't like the main goal of the trip, obviously the main goal of the trip is just to explore, have fun and have it be an epic adventure. But we both have a passion for photography and capturing it. And we wanted to do it. We wanted to do Baja justice. We wanted to make people to be like, wow, I didn't know Baja was this good. And I, I think we sort of achieved that. I think we captured some really beautiful pictures and especially Joe, like if, if some people have seen like, you know, flying over the gray whales or the humpback whales, mulbia rays, some dolphins, um, he did a great job capturing that, you know, and the cool thing is, is that people would ask, like, when we get these shots, you know, they're framed up nice, you know, it just seems like it's all time perfect. Um, we don't, we're not on radio, you know, there's no, there's no um, communication with radios between the two of us. It's all just sort of looking at each other. And as we're flying every day together, we sort of can read each other or we sort of know what the other person's trying to achieve. And I think um, even from my standpoint, right, I mean, I like taking pictures as well. So I try to picture where's Joe at the angle he's at. Okay. Uh, the sun's, the sun's over here. Joe's there. This is probably the best lighting. Let me get down lower to the subject. And if he can time it, like, I think it'll be a good shot. So we're both sort of trying to figure, we're, we're both trying to take the picture. We're also trying to figure out where that other person's going to be uh, without communicating. So sometimes we nailed it. Obviously sometimes we missed some epic shots because we just didn't coordinate it well enough. But I sort of like doing it that way. People are like, you guys need to be on radio. And I'm like, I sort of like the, the Wild West style of just being up there and just trying to get it. You know, we both know what we're, we're trying to get a cool shot. We both know we want a whale. That we want a picture of this gray whale. 
So that's enough for me to like just try and get that shot. Interesting. Uh, real quick, uh, shout out to Wade. He became a ClearProp TV VIP. He joined the channel. He's another new member. If you want to be a member of this channel, it definitely helps out. We're able to pay for all of our uh, stuff that we do for the podcasting. And also uh, a lot of stuff goes over to the Run Into the Sky nonprofit organization. So thank you very much, Wade for joining and becoming a new member of this channel. Uh, we are already up to eight o'clock already. I mean, just a couple of minutes to eight. Uh, we've been talking for an hour. Uh, the time, my friend, has gone like that. It's been in incredibly fast. Uh, your, your stories are incredible, and I can't wait to hear the, um, the, the handcuff one here in a moment. But I wanted to ask anybody on the panel here, has anybody else uh, have any other question or is there any other question in the super chat that we missed there's a couple <laughs> okay a couple um shane's planet shane asked a, a good question he asked is is it is it common for when to switch 180 degrees about an hour before sunset it seems that it happens a lot at his favorite lz and the, it, the answer is it depends i mean are you I don't know where you live, Shane's Planet Shane, but I mean, do you live near a really big body of water? Um, if so, then I would say that wouldn't be terribly uncommon. Um, so I need, need some more information there. And then you had another one there. You want me to ask it? Sure. Uh, does Rob or Joe take DSLR cameras up with them or for their photography? That was Bonnie Franz. Uh, yeah, so like I said, I focus on, on on using the GoPros. However, Joe definitely has inspired me to, and I'm looking for different ways to switch up, you know, taking pictures and capturing um, where we're flying. So I have been using a handheld uh, Sony camera, you know, like a full-size mirrorless camera, um, you know, with a zoom lens. Um, and Joe focuses more on that. You know, he he's always up there with um, his, his Sony camera as well. And he actually sometimes flies. And this is a little bit crazy. He'll fly with different lenses. So like he'll have his big 300 millimeter zoom lens and he'll have his smaller wide angle lens. And depending on like where we're flying or what's going on, he'll actually go up there and he'll take the lenses off, change the lenses, put it in his little pouch, like his little um, flight deck that he has and swap lenses. Now I am not that... Um, I am not that, I don't know, I just, it's a lot of risk, right? To drop, I mean, these lenses are expensive. These are, you know, thousand plus dollar lenses. So I'd be afraid to drop it. It goes into the prop, you know, a million things can go wrong uh, when you're when you're doing something like that. But yeah, Joe primarily flies. I mean, he'll have his GoPro on his helmet and he does some vlogging and that kind of thing. But he is definitely known for always having that, that Sony camera on him and I'll take it up, um, but it'll be maybe every, fourth or fifth flight, I'll, I'll take up the handheld camera just to do something different. And, uh, but you know, with those kind of things, they're, they're heavier, they're bigger, they're in the way, you know, you have to start worrying about the harness and you get snagged on the harness and, um, it adds a level of complexity. So I would advise anyone, right. There's a lot of people that, um, you know, I've met along the way, um, that are like, Oh yeah, I want to have the chase cam. I want to have the wing cam. I want to have the camera like you mounted onto your chest. I have this like little chest mount where I clip the camera right onto my chest. And I'm like, that's fine, but you really want to be competent with your flying before you start adding these things, because it, it makes everything a little bit more difficult and it can, it can distract you, especially as you're trying to develop a system of how to use these cameras 
And, you know, they're glitchy, right? Not so much the Sony cameras, but the GoPros, they're glitchy. So, you know, you can easily get distracted or frustrated trying to get this camera unfrozen or to clear off space because your card's full or whatever the case may be. So if you're going to use that, make sure that you're just very comfortable flying and ease into it. Don't go up there with two cameras and, you know, a cell phone, just slowly add on to your kit um, and get very comfortable with it before you start adding more or bigger cameras. And always tether stuff too. I have my phone tethered, you know, cause I've, I, my phone has fallen out of my pocket while flying before um, or like the big Sony camera. Maybe you don't attach it all the way to my chest mount and it falls off, you know, have a short tether where it can't, you're not going to lose this expensive camera, but it also isn't going to fall into your prop or something like that. Absolutely. Um, I see Linda without her glasses. So that means only one thing. It's time for a thumbnail picture. So if we're all ready to do a thumbnail picture, we'll fly. Let us know when we're ready and we will give us thumbs up. This has been a really fun hour. I mean, this boom, just like that. Pretty much like my, my cruise. It just went boom. Here I am. Boom. It was over. Yeah, yeah crazy. All what, right. So Jim Jim has uh, some maple syrup in his teeth or something. What's up with that, Jim? Ah, I got maple syrup. Ah. All right. One, two, three. Got it. All right. Good deal. Well, if there's not any other questions from the Super Chat or from the panel, you, you got me with these handcuff things. I'm, I'm really waiting for that. But, you know, I want to make sure that everybody uh, has their questions done uh, in the super chat and the panel before we go to this last bit. And right, last one. Do you do any midday flying? Um, you know, if the conditions are right, yes. So like in Colombia, for whatever reason, because like I'm not a weather expert, obviously, I've become a lot more educated on it by flying, but I still have a lot of room for growth in that that area but yeah we did we did midday flying in colombia even inland too it's just smooth for some reason i don't know maybe that's just what they're known for where we were maybe we just had a lucky day but we went and we flew into this village that was 25 miles um inland three like it was like 2 p.m three it was like one i don't know like 1 p.m 2 p.m like somewhere where you expect it to be pretty bumpy and it wasn't the smoothest, but it was surprisingly smooth for the time of day with the sun out and you're just flying over these big flat green valleys. Um, and, you know, that's a that's a good one, too, because we actually flew to a remote village um, to get gas because we wanted to top off on gas. And there were some little kids in this field. And I don't want to say we chased them, but we flew down low and they started running. And they were terrified for a second. And like, it, we didn't intentionally do it, but like, I don't, they didn't know what the paramotors were. Like it, we were coming to attack them. Right. I mean, they were like, they were like, they were like 10, 12 years old. And they were like, they were visibly, visibly scared. Um, but we ended up landing at this village and I didn't expect the turnout that was there. I mean, there was a hundred plus people. Uh, a lot of them were kids, but adults as well. And they just circled us. Right. I mean, it was a mob scene. I mean, I, I sort of joke with this because I think it's fun. I feel like the Taylor Swift, the paramotor, you know, right? Like I just, I just entered somewhere and they just like the crowd rushes you. And I was honestly overwhelmed. I was caught off guard. I was like a little bit like, oh my God, like I didn't know what to do. And of course I can't speak Spanish, right? So like these kids are yelling stuff. They're asking me questions. I have no clue. Luckily I was with um, Moises, who is the local, who is, you know, doing the, the tour down there in Colombia. 
And, you know, he was talking to them and speaking Spanish. But the one kid, he's looking at me and he's saying stuff. And he's this little tiny, little shrimpy, little eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid. And he's looking at me and he's saying all this stuff. And Moises goes, you know, he tells him in Spanish, he doesn't understand you. He doesn't speak your language. And the kid asked him, he goes, so he doesn't understand me? And he goes, no, he doesn't understand you. And he pointed at me and started laughing like I was an idiot. And all the other little kids started pointing and laughing at me because I didn't understand what they were saying. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. Like, man, they were like, I land. And they're like, ah, you're stupid. You can't speak our language. <laughs> <laughs> if you're an alien coming down, you should speak our language. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was really cool. I mean, it was the first time they, they've never seen a paramotor before. It was just this remote village. Um, and they all stood around just... You know, just sort of in awe of it. It was it was pretty cool. It was uh it, it caught me off guard there. I'm so used to landing sometimes. Maybe you have one person who's curious in the States, or everyone just looks at you and you're like, who's that guy? What is that thing he's flying? Looks like a death trap. Like they don't really most people don't care, but they were just so amazed by it. It was like the excitement of the day for them. Uh so that was that was really cool. It was definitely something that stood out to me is like, wow, we're I'm somewhere like remote, like different, and they've never seen something like this. This is so unique and so special for them to see that. So that, that was really cool. Uh, Bonnie France has a really interesting question. Will Fly, do you want to ask it? Yeah, she says, uh, how does anyone who runs, who runs cameras like GoPros get pictures or video while flying? Do you start it before you launch or what? Yeah, so there's, there's all different methods. This could be a show in itself, how to capture the picture, right? Um, for me, it's a combination of all of those, right? It's either I'm getting videos or I'm taking pictures. I try to focus on getting the highest quality picture. So typically I'm taking individual pictures. I'm not grabbing a screenshot off of a video because the quality is going to be worse. With that being said, if you're shooting in 4K or the 5.3K and you're taking a screenshot, it's going to be pretty, it's going to be pretty good. Um, but 9.9 .9 out of 10 pictures that I post, I take just a single picture. So I am, I have a little a shutter button. So I have a Bluetooth remote where I take the picture. So I, if it's a wing over picture where there's dunes and clouds below me, I'll do the wing over or the barrel roll. And while I'm in the middle of it, I'll be like, this is probably the good angle. And I'll click the picture. Um, and that goes for, even if I'm just flying in a straight line, it's just an individual picture. And I just try to, I'm like, Oh, this looks really cool. You know, I try to figure out what the camera is going to see. So I'm always like, so when I'm flying, I'm always, if I'm taking pictures, I'm pretending I'm the camera and what is the camera going to see? Where's the sun is the lighting good? Where are the shadows and those kind of things, because that makes a big difference. You know, if you're flying taking a picture into the sun or the sun's at your back, the picture is going to look completely different. Or if it's on the side, you know, uh, like a side, uh, side, I'll call it side sun, but if the sun's on the side of you, um, so it's a lot of things to take take into account, um, but mostly it's individual pictures with the Bluetooth with the Bluetooth remote. Uh, before we get to the handcuffs, I see a necklace. Is that a paramotor necklace that I see? Yeah. So actually, this is another cool story. Um, I'll move in a little closer here. Where's the camera? So yeah, it's a little paraglider, um, little paraglider necklace, and I got this in Colombia. Um, and it was from one of the pilots there, one of the local pilots, um, his name's Ruben. He goes by the nickname, nickname fly or Ruben fly and super awesome guy, great energy, uh, just an amazing person, someone that you want to hang out with, you want to fly with. And Ruben's been flying for 30 plus years. So he's been 
paragliding, paramotoring. Well, he obviously started paragliding, got into paramotoring. And um, he gave him this necklace as a gift, you know, just as a, like, hey, thanks for flying with me. Thanks for being down here. Um, and I love this necklace. It is great. It's such it's 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 a beautiful necklace, but then it's also a memory. And I got it from someone who is an amazing person, right? So he is a very uh, known person in Colombia in the flying community for paragliding. He, from what I understand, is almost like the first person to have a paramotor or the first person to paraglide in the country. Um, and he's taught all of the um, other schools, like they were his students at one point. So he teaches them, they go open their own school. So I believe his school is uh, Paraglide Medellin. Um, and yeah, he's one of the OG guys in Colombia. So awesome guy, great energy. Um, so this is probably one of my favorite things actually from the trip is getting this necklace. That's cool. Pretty excellent. Any other questions before we get to the handcuffed story? Because I'm really interested about that. Anybody else in the super chat? Anybody on the panel? I believe the Ruben, he is the guy that Chris Wheeler was plan setting up a, yeah. a program with, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. No, because that's, I mean, I think I, I don't know if I've ever talked to Chris in person. I think I just know of him or seen him maybe at Endless Foot Drag. But um, yeah, I mean, his name came up a few times because they asked me if I knew him and stuff. And I know that he's doing some kind of, you know, he's, he's down there. He's, he's involved in the community down there. Um, he wasn't down there when I was there. But yeah, so that's the same Ruben um that chris knows cool. great guy all right are we ready for the story of handcuffs all right yeah. it's, it's all you rob tell us the 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 handcuff story all right guys i think first though i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna keep you like hanging for a second i just want to because there's so much about baja i feel like i didn't even do it justice right yeah but what i want to say to anyone who's interested in baja it's a great place to go. It's, it's, it's easier than you think. I mean, it is an adventure. There's going to be times where you're nervous or times where you can get your vehicle stuck or you're going to feel a little bit, maybe even scared because you're just not used to the area or the culture. Um, but it is a great place to go. So many beautiful spots. It's such diverse terrain. There's so much to fly there. I mean, I was there five months and it's like, I can go back for a few more. I didn't do everything. I didn't see everything. Or I want to refly certain areas where the weather maybe wasn't perfect. Um, so it's amazing. It's like flying in the Grand Canyon with an ocean or flying in uh, Utah, but there's an ocean right next to it. So you get these just beautiful, I mean, beautiful mountains and canyons and the water. There's shipwrecks that you're just stumbling upon that make it great. Uh, the marine life, depending on the time of year that you go, I mean, you might be flying with gray whales, humpback whales, orcas, uh, mulbia rays jumping out of the water right next to you. I mean, there's just so much there depending on the time of year that you go. Um, and it's probably almost good to fly all year round. So I was down there between uh, January and June. It was great. Started getting warm towards June, uh, but um, so many places to see there. So if anyone's thinking about doing it, I wouldn't write it off just because you can't speak Spanish. I mean, if you can learn a little bit of Spanish and go down there, that's great. Um, but um, beautiful place. I'm so happy I did it. I'm so happy that uh, Joe and I met at the uh, 
um, the St. George fly-in and, you know, we're talking about it and we, we made it happen together. I mean, it wouldn't have happened without him. Maybe it would have, you know, you know, cause I was trying to like find people to go with me and we met day one, we talked about it and we committed to doing it. And a few months later we were, we were in Baja together, you know, it was like a new friendship. We didn't know each other previously. Um, so, you know, a shout out to him. I mean, he captured some of my favorite pictures, you know, that I'll, you know, that I'll, on my deathbed, I'll, I'll have those in the nursing home. Like, ah, that, that's the picture Joe took. That was an awesome experience. Um, so Baja is great. Um, I would, I would say that if you have the opportunity to do it, whether it's a self-guided tour or you go with one of the, um, you know, there's people that guide down there. I might even do a little guiding in the future. Um, I, I think it would be a, a fun time for you. Um, and it's, you can almost fly all day, you know, getting back to that question before it's, if you're along the water and the wind's coming off the water, you know, you don't have to be waking up at sunrise and flying at sunset. You know, if you want to go have some lunch, have a burrito at 12 o'clock, fly at one, you can do it. Um, but yeah, so Baja, it's awesome. Do it if you can. Um, but yeah, so leaving Baja, um, I did run into a little bit of a hiccup, right? Um, so I ended up driving 16 hours straight from like La Paz all the way up to the border in Mexicali. And I didn't plan on doing that. It was just, you know, you have a few energy drinks. And honestly, I think I was a little sad. I was leaving. I just wanted to get out of there. I didn't want to stop and fly for a day or two. I just wanted to get out once I decided I was leaving. And I was crossing the border at night, which, you know, also something maybe you shouldn't do. But I had such success that once again, you maybe push it a little bit more, you know, oh, hey, don't drive at night. I'm driving at night. Um, but I go to cross the border and there's this thing called the sentry lane. Maybe some people are familiar with it. I was not And the sentry lane is, I guess, like sort of like, um, an easy pass lane or like a TSA pre-check. So I guess a TSA pre-check, uh, lane. So if you're, if you don't have this special pass, you shouldn't be in that lane. And I was in that lane. So there's a cop car, there's a guy with a vest on, and this guy pretty much jumps out in the middle of the road and he's waving his arm, telling me to stop. And he goes, Hey, do you have the sentry pass? And I'm like, what's the sentry pass? I, I don't have this. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? He goes, you need to turn around. You can't be in this lane. Now at this time, for whatever reason, there's actually no cars behind me. So I look back and I'm like, there's no cars and it's Mexico. I mean, like, honestly, people don't really follow the rules of the road down there. So I do like my three point turn. I follow this guy. I go down the road backwards a few hundred feet. I whip a U-turn and now I'm on what I believe is the correct path. Once I bust this U-turn, uh, whoop, 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 you see the flashing lines, lights, the sirens, I get pulled over. And I'm like, oh, man, I wonder if that was a setup. I wonder if like they tricked me or something or I'm just getting pulled over because I, I did drive down the road backwards. You shouldn't be doing that. And as this happens, the guy with the vest who was on this bicycle and the bicycle, you'd say, oh, yeah, that sounds sketchy. Why would you believe a guy on a bicycle? I mean, it's Mexico. I've seen I've seen weirder, you know, so the guy pedals off. He just disappears. So now I'm left with these two cops. These two cops, they approach the, the, you know, the window, your typical, hey, registration, driver's license. They tell me, hey, you shouldn't be driving down that road backwards. I go, yep, okay, I screwed up. I was following that, that, I, that pol the police officer. And they're like, that guy wasn't a police officer. And I'm like, okay, well, he appeared to be. He, he tricked me because he had the vest on. There was a cop car right there with a cop in it. He let this all happen. So um, I, I, I'm sorry, you know, I did it. So um, yeah. And they tell me, okay, we want to search the vehicle. Now it's not uncommon for them to search your vehicle at checkpoints and stuff. Obviously I don't have anything illegal, so I'm not worried about it. At this point also, I did 
um, put the paramotor back under the bed in the case so it's not displayed in the main living area of my, my van, which it typically is there because I just didn't want to have any issues with it crossing the border. So they open the van, they're searching the van. Um, the male officer is searching the van. He ends up telling the female officer to continue to search the van and he's going to talk to me over by the police car. So he changes my attention from the search to going to the car. As we're walking to the car, he starts talking some random things to me, just like it felt like he was just like distracting me, right? And as he's doing this, the female officer starts yelling stuff in Spanish. Obviously, it sounds concerning because it's loud and she's yelling it. And she finds this black item in my vehicle. This like, you know, looks like a, like half the width of a cell phone or something, but this black item. And I'm like, that doesn't even look like something of mine. And he, she hands it to the male officer. And now I'm really curious. What is this? Is this mine? I look at it. And I'm like, that's not mine. What is that thing? And as I look at it for a few seconds, I go, that's a knife. And it was like a spring loaded knife. Right. So obviously they planted it in the vehicle and he goes, Oh, Robert, this is illegal. This is illegal. You can't have weapons. And I'm like, that's not mine. I've never seen that before. So now I know, like, obviously they're, they're trying to get me for something, you know, they're trying to shake me down. And I had something similar happen last time I was in Mexico. I, I was pulled out of gun out of the car at gunpoint, um, crossing state lines at night, and I ended up getting out of it. And I was educated on that. They really try to scare you to get money out of you. So I'm like, oh man, it's happening again. And now keep in mind, I've been driving for 16 hours. I'm very tired. I almost have no emotion about this because I'm just tired, you know? So maybe that was a good thing. I didn't get too wound up. But of course, like anyone, I was still nervous. You don't know what's going to happen next. And I'm like, tell him, hey, this isn't my, this isn't my knife. And he goes, well, is there anyone else in the vehicle? I go, no, there's no one else in the vehicle. He goes, well, then it's your knife. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Right. So I'm like, it's not my knife. And he goes, well, do you have any other knives, kitchen knives? And I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, I live in my vehicle. I have, you know, I have some knives, you know, for cooking and I go, I have cooking knives. He goes, show me. And I go, well, they're in this cabinet. I open the cabinet, but he goes, okay, grab it. And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, I'm not going to just grab this knife because they might arrest me for pulling a knife on, on an officer or something. I could tell they're doing shady stuff. So I tell him, uh, I don't feel comfortable grabbing it. You, you can grab it. He goes, I don't see it. I'm like, it's on the left-hand side. It's, I can see it. I'm like, it's right there. He's like, I don't see it. And I'm like, okay, I don't have a knife. There's no knives then. I was mistaken. And he goes, oh, I see it. And he grabs it. And he goes, this is illegal. He's like, you are going to jail. And I'm like, okay. I mean, that is my knife, right? I don't think it's illegal, but who knows? I'm not going to argue it at this point. I, so I'm like, okay. So he goes, it's going to be very expensive. This is thousands of dollars. We're impounding your vehicle. It's going to take two to three days to get you out of jail and you know, you, you and to get your vehicle back. And I'm like, okay. And, uh, he's like, uh, he's like, but you know, maybe we might be able to work something out. So now I know where they're going with this. So, um, what, where was I at there? So, yeah, you know, they, they're like, okay, you're going to be arrested. And I'm like, okay, fine. Arrest me. And they're like, but we, you can, you can pay now. And I'm like, I don't have any money. I spent all my pesos because I'm leaving. I'm going back home. Uh, I'm not, you know, I spent everything. They did see my wallet earlier on in this. And they knew I had a few hundred dollars, um, you know, U us, uh, you know, some like a few twenties and fifties and stuff just for emergencies. And uh, so they knew I had money. Um, they tell me you're being arrested. So they tell me, you know, put your hands on the vehicle. I put my hands on the vehicle. Um, and then they turn me around and they, they cuff my, my hands in front of me. 
So I'm like, wow, I've never been in handcuffs before. This is pretty intense. So they cuff me and they're like, you're going to jail. And then they're like, well, um, but if you have some money, we could work something out, you know, $500. And I'm like, I don't have $500. They're like, well, what do you have? And I'm like, I don't have $500. And I said, the money I do have, I need that when I go back to the United States to get home or I can't get home. And they're like, okay, you're getting arrested. And they're like, follow, he's like, follow her. You're, you're arrested. I'm like, okay. So I follow her all the way to the cop car. Now my van is completely open. Passenger side doors open, driver, you know, the, uh, the driver doors open, the sliding doors open. And there's people watching this, right? There's like a half dozen people, just Mexicans just stand there like, well, we'll see what's going to happen here. So now I'm afraid they're going to steal stuff out of the van. I mean, I have everything in there. All my camera gear, paramotors, I mean, my whole life essentially is in this van open on the side of the street at night in Mexico. And I'm like, I might, I might lose some stuff in this moment here, but I'm like, I'm going to keep with this. I'm not, I'm not backing down. Um, and I'm like, okay, put me in the cop car. So I walked to the cop car. I sort of like, like quickly walked to the cop car and I go to get in it. And the woman puts her hand out and she tells me to stop. And the guy, you know, says some things. I don't remember what he said. And then he comes up to me and he goes, Robert, come here, come here. He goes, I think you're a good guy. I don't even think that this knife is yours. He's like, but we know you did have one knife. Let's work something out. How much do you have? Open your wallet. And I'm like, I don't have anything. He goes, just open your wallet. And I go, I can't open my wallet. And he laughs at me and he goes, why can't you open your wallet? And I'm like, because I'm in, I'm in handcuffs, I'm in handcuffs, sir. <laughs> I can't open my wallet. And I was hoping that he would take the handcuffs off, which he did. So he takes the handcuffs off of me and he goes, open your wallet. And then I go, I can't open my wallet. I need this money. I can't give you this money. So we go back and forth for a while. And then he goes, Robert, you're good. You can go, you can leave. Um, so he had some of my papers. He gives me some of my paperwork back. And essentially they just sort of, he tells me as he's leaving, he goes, if you tell anyone that I let you go, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for letting you go. You should be going to jail. So you just need to go, you just need to go and cross and not tell anyone, because if you do, I will arrest you. And, uh, obviously he was just worried about me maybe saying something to the border patrol and then maybe him getting in trouble. Um, I did not say anything. I was just happy to get out of there and I didn't want to create any more drama or paperwork for myself. So he ends up letting me go. Um, so obviously at this moment, I'm like, wow, I can't believe this worked and I got out of it. Um, I'm very flustered. Obviously I'm very tired and, uh, I try to go and cross the border and my GPS recalculates because I actually went down a one-way road by accident. So I'm all like trying to get on the correct road. I find myself back in the century lane for a second round. Oh, no. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So you're like, you know what I mean? Like I didn't, if I didn't learn the first mistake, oh, no. I, I tried myself, I tried myself right back into the situation. So at this point I'm like, I, I feel like I'm in a tank. I'm running through this border. I am not backing up out of this road. And <laughs> I, there's guys now doing the same thing. Tell me to stop. And I'm like, I have a century pass. Let me, I'm going, I'm going. And as I'm doing this, as guys are trying to do the same trick to me there's other cars driving backwards out of there and i'm looking at them like good luck buddy you're gonna get in the same situation i am so it's obviously a common thing or a pretty common at least and i get up to the like the american portion of the border and the guy tells me hey you're in the wrong lane you shouldn't be in this lane and he goes you should you might be okay if it's your first time however um you might have to pay a five thousand dollar fine <laughs> and i'm like a five thousand dollar fine i'm like like at the, at the time he said, I think he just said 5,000, the fine is 5,000. And I'm like, 
5,000 pesos or 5,000 know, US dollars, you know? And I'm like, even if it's 5,000 pesos, that's way more than I want to pay for this fine. That's a lot of money. Right. And uh, I get back, I get up to the second guy and he's like, hey, you shouldn't be in this lane. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know. Um, the guy told me it was okay. It's my first offense that it'll be fine just to let you know it's my first offense. And I mean, I don't know if that worked or not, but apparently that's a thing. After talking to people after the fact, it, since I've since I've made this mistake once, they let me go. If I do this again, it's actually a five thousand dollar fine from the United States for being in the wrong lane. Five thousand wow. dollars. I, I can't believe that. And it's it's not properly labeled. And Google Maps takes you into that lane. That's why I got there in the first place. I followed Google Maps blindly, and it told me to go into this lane. Wow. Um, so it has to happen all the time. And if, if the United States really does fine you. $5,000, especially if it's your first offense, that's a little bit. I mean, that's that's a lot of money. I mean, for anyone. I mean, at least now I know that I at least got out of it the, the first offense. So I, I obviously I'm not going to make that that mistake the second time. But if I did, <laughs> I'm still going to be bummed. So because I went into this wrong lane, I have to go into a secondary search. So then they have me get out of the line, go into the secondary like little holding parking lot. I have to open up the hood of the car, the back of the car, the side doors. I have to open up every door and sit there on the curb, wait for someone. And then they have the drug dogs in the vehicle. They're looking in the vehicle. They're just pointing at stuff. And I'm honestly a little bit worried now at this point, not because I have anything illegal in there. What happens if they planted something in the van just to get me in trouble? You know, because I thought I outsmarted them, but maybe they're just like, you know what? Throw some, throw a little bag of weed in there, throw a little bag of whatever in there get this guy in trouble. I didn't know, you know, they were in there. I wasn't watching them. Um, luckily that did not happen. And I got out of there, but it took like an additional half hour for me to go through the secondary search. It was already a long night. Um, Are you on the Mexican side still? At the, during the secondary search, I am now on the United States side, okay. but it's, that was, that was the same question I had when they're doing the secondary search. And the woman finally tells me I'm free to go. I look at her and I go, I know this is going to be a little bit of a stupid question. But am I in the United States now? Like, am I good? Am I out of Mexico? And she laughs at me like, you, you dummy. Yeah, you're out of Mexico. She's like, yeah, you're in California. Just drive out of this parking lot, make a left, and you'll be in uh, Calexico. And I was like, <laughs> I was so happy she said that. I go, thank you. And I just got in that van and drove. So, yep, that's my, that's my, wow. that's how I ended my Baja trip. It was a magical time. It was a great time. Great flying. I mean, I met some great people down there, other people in vans, other paramotor pilots. I mean, worth everything that I've sacrificed to get there. And then it had to end that way. Right. So it still can happen. You know, I mean, like you still run the risk going down there of something happening. But the more you educate yourself, um, the better it could have been preventable. You know, people knew of that. I mean, that is a known scam. If you Googled, you know you know, border crossings, which ones to avoid or scams at the border crossings. From what I've been told, it's, that's a common one. So I didn't do my homework on it, but like I said, you get a little bit complacent, you get a little confident, ah, five months, nothing's happened. I'll be fine. I'm going into the United States. What can go wrong? Well, that's what went wrong. Um, I ended up getting out of it. I didn't lose any money. I didn't get arrested. They didn't steal anything. It all worked out. And right, you're either, I always tell people, right, you're either going to have a good time or you're going to have a good story, but it's going to be good. And uh, it was good. You'll remember it one way or the other, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, okay. So, but you, you attribute that to going at, to trying to cross the border at night. Well, I think maybe this scam happens more at night. It just always seems like stuff happens more at night. 
Um, what caused all this is I was just in the wrong lane to begin with. If I didn't go into the wrong lane, I don't think I would have been scammed. But they know, I think, because Google Maps does take you that way, that they know that this happens all the time. So let's get these guys. Let's shake them down. Maybe they even somehow can get Google Maps to send you that way to do that exact thing. Because I don't understand why Google Maps would take you into a lane that is restricted. Um, you know, that there wouldn't be someone that can edit that and say, do not direct them into the sentry lane. Like that is not the way you go. They're in on uh, it, man. I mean, they, they maybe, must be they, in on it. They, they might be in on it. They're getting a little <laughs> bit of a cut. This is a conspiracy here, but I mean, I guess, yeah, like if I did my homework, I went in the right lane, this wouldn't have happened, but it did, you know, and that's, that's my story from screwing up. So do as much research as you can, you know, don't always wing it. Winging it's fun. It's part of the adventure, but you know, like I said, I shouldn't have been there at night. I should have done the research and I shouldn't have just drove down the road backwards. You know, it's just common sense. You wouldn't really do that in the United States, but in Mexico, there's a lot of, I mean, people don't really follow the, you know, no one stops at stop signs, that kind of thing. You know, you see weird stuff. So I didn't think anything of it after driving down there for so long. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Well, Rob, I have had a blast listening to your story. Uh, for everyone out there, if you could let us know your social media links, uh, where to go to find you. Are you on TikTok, Instagram? And if so, where are you? Yeah, so I mean, pretty much it's just on Instagram. So it's uh, my handle is con3081. So C-O-N-3081. Um, some people give me uh, a hard time about that not being a really easy uh, handle to remember, but that is what it is for now. Um, so yeah, I post a lot on Facebook. Um, I try to like, you know, I like keeping up with the stories and trying to post a daily sort of, you know, life on the road sort of thing. Um, so yeah, Instagram's the best, uh, the best spot or on Facebook, you know, I post on both regularly, you know, it's sort of the same stuff. Sometimes Facebook's a little bit more of the non, it's not that perfect picture. Maybe I'll post up five pictures, just to tell sort of a story, do a little bit more of a write-up. So yeah, Facebook, you know, it's just my name, Rob Candela. Uh, or Instagram con three zero eight one. I don't do anything on YouTube. You know, I have a YouTube channel. Don't use it. There's no paramotor videos up on it. Uh, I don't think I ever will just because I have a hard time managing taking the pictures and posting them on Instagram, let alone making videos. Um, but you know, you never know. Maybe, maybe I'll move on to that at some point just for something new and different, but yeah, that's it. Instagram and Facebook. If you want to follow along with the pictures and the adventures, uh, there's more to come. Like I said, I'll be leaving in a week today to go to Iceland. I'll be up in Iceland for a month and a half. Um, then I'll be taking a little bit of a break for a month to spend some time with my family, hang out in Pennsylvania, fly in Pennsylvania. I, I, I love flying um, in PA, beautiful, the cornfields and stuff like that. And then I'll be headed off to Egypt for a month and a half as well to fly the pyramids and to fly some uh, more remote parts of Egypt that aren't typically what people go there to fly, like on the, the pyramid tours. So that should be fun. That'll be different. Haven't been there before. Um, and possibly a few other wildcard destinations at the end of the year, late November into December as well. So I'm trying to keep it going for as long as I can. And um, I, I really like the adventure side of paramotoring. I like, uh, you know, I, I like it for the sport. I like doing the acro and that kind of thing, but I just want to be a well-rounded pilot. And I really think that there's a lot of opportunity with this adventure travel, just to see some beautiful places that rarely get flown or have never been flown before. So that's, that's, what's real exciting for me. And I'm 
hopefully going to be teaming up with some people in the future here to, uh, you know, to hopefully travel as much as I can, you know, go to go to some new countries. Well, I'm envious of your, you're going to Iceland next, right? Yep. So that means you're going to be flying the new prop probably with the scout and everything. So I'm pretty excited to hear about that. Yeah. So the, I mean, if they have them on their rental units, so it's actually very interesting. The, the scout thing has uh, the, the Iceland trip has evolved a lot. And right now I am actually very overwhelmed. I have a week to get ready for Iceland and I have a lot to get ready. So I am going to be on the scout trip. That's what I did last year. I'll be on scout trip number one. Um, so I think they have five trips this year. I'll be on trip number one. However, um, I'm going to be taking my own paramotor or attempting to take my own paramotor commercially. Um, so that's, you know, that's an unknown depending on who you talk to and, you know, all of that. There's obviously risks with that. Um, I do have a motor rented with Miro just in case I can't get my paramotor there, but it will really screw up my plans because instead of flying for a month and a half and really exploring Iceland, essentially what I'm trying to do is explore Iceland like I did Baja. Obviously it'll be condensed, but I really want to like, I don't want to rush around. If I find a cool spot, I want to hang there for two or three days, or I want to wait for the good weather window, those kind of things. Um, so I will be taking my, my Parajet Maverick up there. If it gets stuck at the airport, I at least can rent a paramotor for that week and a half or whatever it is, 10 days that the scout trip is going. Um, so yeah, I have the scout trip and then the trip after will be, you know, the sort of a self-guided adventure. Um, I will be meeting a few friends up there. I believe at this point, Joe, who, who I did the Baja trip with, I think he has bought his plane ticket. Um, it was sort of a last minute thing. He, he was not going to do it just because it didn't work out for him with a schedule, but that schedule has changed. So I think he bought his plane ticket. So he's in. Um, and then my two other friends, Hillary and Lucas, they'll be meeting me up there as well. So they'll be up there at different dates. Uh, some people I'll be flying with more than others just because they'll be showing up later. Um, but we're trying to just sort of, I don't know, have fun and, uh, and, and explore Iceland, you know, um, see what kind of fun places we can find and, you know, some cool pictures that we can capture. So there's now all four of us are trying to fly with our own motors commercially to Iceland. So will all four of us make it there with our paramotors? Uh, that's yeah. That's to be determined. I mean, that's going to be a lot of luck on our part. Wow, that sounds like an adventure in itself. It, it really is. I mean, just the logistics of like figuring out how I'm going to pack the motor and like what suitcases and what I'm going to take. I mean, I'm overwhelmed. I had, a, yeah, I'm buying all new cameras for this trip. So I got to figure out how to use the camera, set them up, you know, get them all linked to my phone and to my iPad. And there's a lot to do in a week. So, uh, tomorrow I'm going to hit the ground running with really trying to, um, get everything ready. And I have a, a lot of spare parts. That's the other thing too, is that we didn't touch on that, but I had a lot of spare parts with me in Baja and I won't have as much in Iceland, but I'm taking a pretty substantial amount of spare parts. Everyone knows, you know, you know, uh, an extra pool starter, an extra exhaust elbow, an extra air box. I mean, those are, those are, uh, invaluable and they'll probably be used at some point. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. This could easily be a four hour show. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, that's your, your journeys are incredible, man. And you're not even done. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I hope there's a lot more. I hope that, you know, you guys are like, we need Rob back on. He did all these cool things. I, I hope that's the case. I hope it keeps going. I hope my, 
you know, it, it's a lot of hard work. I have been staying motivated. Obviously, sometimes you have your doubts or you get tired and there's a lot to logistically plan, a lot of risks sometimes with like shipping the motor to Iceland. I mean, I have a lot of money tied up in it. So if I don't get the paramotor there, it's like, hmm, yeah. what do I do now? You know, um, but that's part of that's what part of what makes it fun to to when you have a trip that goes smoothly and you can walk away from it healthy and you had a good time and you had good memories. I mean, it just is, it's fun to keep that going. So hopefully I can keep that going for the future months to come, maybe the future years to come. And uh, yeah, you know, and I think it's cool too. I think people are getting more into the adventure travel. So it's cool that I can also get people to go on these trips with me. More people are willing to say yes. And I think maybe it's because, Hey, they're like, well, Rob did it before. Like he must know what he's doing. Let's join him. So yeah, except I mean, people are, uh, pe- yeah, except <laughs> for, the, yeah. If you need a translator, a Spanish translator, or you need someone to drive you across the border. Uh, yeah. You might want to find someone else. <laughs> if you want someone to fly with, you want someone to drink a margarita with and have a good time and, and fix your paramotor so we can go fly later that day. Um, yeah. I, I might be your guy for that. So um <laughs> Yeah, it's been fun. I love meeting uh, new people, uh, you know, especially the paramotor pilots. I have nothing but good things to say about the community and the people I've met along the way. You know, we're, we're all, I think most of the time we're all very different, but we share that common bond of flying and that passion and that we know the struggles of paramotoring, right? So um, we, we, you know, you sort of bond over that. It's a brotherhood and you swap parts and you help people to fix gear, get your, your, your van unstuck from the sand. So um, I'm hoping that more people will, will join me on some of these trips if they can, or it'll spark some interest in other people's just to go off and maybe do, it doesn't have to be a big adventure like, like Baja or Iceland, you know, just go out and fill the, fill the car up, fill the truck up and go for a little weekend adventure. You know, fly in a new LZ every day, you know, and spice it up a little bit, meet a few new people, reach out to some people. And, you know, it's, it's pretty powerful if you just, I mean, there's been a lot of people that just have reached out to me and it's just like, yeah, you know, I'm going to be there meet up with me. Let's fly. Um, so some, sometimes it's as simple as just reaching out to the person. Well, if I ever go, you know, to Baja and I need a road built, I will definitely bring you with me. <laughs> I'm your guy, man. Yeah, I can't uh, imagine building a road to get out. That's crazy. Yeah, your stores are, yeah exactly. You need, to, you need your own series on TV, apparently. Yeah, there you go. Hey, can I, I'd like to give a quick shout out. You, you mentioned parts and having extra parts and stuff, but um I, if you need parts man you just cannot beat skysportsusa.net i mean you call them you order the part and boom it's like shipped immediately so i just want to uh give kudos to those guys because they're doing something right oh yeah and i'll i'll back that up i mean they're they're my main they're my main guys for parts you know mm-hmm. i've i in baja i've been on zoom calls or skype calls with them just talking through like hey i need this i need that and um, especially when there's some issues, you know, with the, the warranty claims with like the air boxes and stuff, or, you know, I actually broke my first prop in Baja. It was just rocky terrain. I was leaning back real aggressively and my prop just caught the ground and just sheared off the tip. Um, and I talked to him and said, Hey guys, I need a custom made, you know, e-prop, you know, just one of my three blades broke and they were always, you know, quick to respond, quick to send the stuff to me um yeah uh, chris and kyle are great i have actually they, they had a box i had a box show up the other day from iceland you know and it was it was from them a big huge box of parts so they're great guys i mean they haven't let me down right on 
Uh, 100% agree. Uh, matter of fact, I was just on the phone today with uh, Chris. He's helping me out. And uh, he also is going to be sending some fun stuff out for us to, to, to give away. So big shout out to Sky Sports USA. Uh, we're going to be able to give out uh, away some really cool stuff from them also. Um, you, know what? you know what, Sean? I don't think sorry. that guy takes a break. I was on the phone with them yesterday. Yeah, I mean, they, they take their business really seriously, you know, and their customers and stuff. They really give good support. So they really do. They really do. Um, matter of fact, we tag them every time that we do a show, Sky Sports USA. Not only are they on Facebook, but you can go to uh, skysportusa.net and they will help you out. And if there's any warranty or whatever, they will they'll pick up the phone and say, hey, um, I see that you got a warranty issue. Let, let's make this happen. And I mean, they are good folks, really good folks. Uh, Chris and Kyle over at Sky Sports. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. 100% great. Uh, anything else before we head on out? Rob, had a blast, my friend. Absolutely had a blast. Can't wait to get you on next year because I want to hear about the Iceland trip, uh, Egypt, and all the other adventures. My goodness, you are, I'm, I'm telling you, dude, very, very jelly. Very, very jelly. I, I wish that was in your shoes. Um, I wish I could, I mean, not not the not the lack of shower thing, but man, yeah. I tell you, about all the stuff that you've been doing, that sounds absolutely amazing. Hey, well, you have my number now, so just, you know, shoot me a text to call and We'll meet up. Absolutely. We got this uh, new school being built over our LZ over here in Arkansas, and you're more than welcome to come over. We're going to be making tiny houses. So anybody that wants to come over to our school, they'll have a free place to stay. Awesome. I'll be there. I'll be there soon. I'm sure the van will be cruising by there at some point. Yeah, we're going to have showers too. <laughs> Perfect. I'll <laughs> need one. <laughs> All right. Well, Rob. Uh, we will let you go, my friend. Uh, we're just going to say goodbyes and stuff like that and do our little uh, sign-offs thing. So if you need Thank to go, you're Robert. more than welcome to go. We definitely appreciate you, bud. All right. Awesome. Thanks, guys. It's been it's been fun. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much, Rob. Man, absolutely amazing show tonight. Absolutely yep. enjoyed it. Uh, man, <laughs> Rob's stories. Us. I'm, I'm going to have to play back this a couple of times because, man, he just kept on going and going and going, telling about all these amazing adventures. Uh, and seriously, I can't wait to next year when, when we uh, get him back on the show again because Iceland, I mean, that's something I want to do. You know, Egypt, that's something I want to do. Uh, Colombia, I, I want to do that too. So I just make it a tradition every, you know, Every June, oh, geez, my my kid yeah. is trying to push my computer on the floor. Yeah, every June we'll uh, just uh, we'll have you on the show, you know. Give like, <laughs> me update. Cool. Yeah. What is well, Rob doing this year? You could have uh, flown in the Bahamas if you didn't want your wife to cut you while you were down there. <laughs> I, I, you know, I was thinking about that too, but they don't allow uh, uh, paramotors on cruise ships. But I was thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I sure was. So we'll have to You're do something. Dreaming about it every night. Mm -hmm. Wish I could fly off the ship. <laughs> uh, they they have a roller coaster on the Mardi Gras. Oh, we're on the uh, on the Mardi Gras, and they have a roller coaster on the Mardi Gras. Hmm. A roller coaster on a cruise ship. Who would have Did you go it? on it? Did you do um, it? I, I, uh, you have to 
you have to be in the queue for it but i was on the queue when we had a thunderstorm and lightning storm coming through so they canceled it and i never oh went they're no it, fun so. man you it's like lightning there's no problem if i'm gonna be on a roller coaster in the middle of the ocean on a cruise ship lightning no problem yeah you can make a movie you can make a they could have made a movie out of it you know <laughs> pg know. grandpa on the roller coaster in the middle of a thunderstorm look at him go <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah, had a blast, Rob. I really did. You absolutely incredible dude. Yeah, same here. All right. Well, Scuba Steve, uh, well, I guess we'll sign off with you, buddy. Uh, Scuba Steve, you do an awesome show on Fridays. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and how do we get up with you, man? Uh, just go to paramotordude.com. That'll take you right over to my YouTube channel, which I did make another YouTube channel just for paramotoring, but Oh my God, YouTube makes it impossible to copy your videos over from one channel to the other one and keep the same quality. So I'm going to have to wait until I get some more flights in to start putting stuff on that channel. Then I'll link that to the other channel so I can separate the vaping channel from the paramotor channel. Hopefully that'll be um, that way, you know, all the tags and stuff aren't like half vaping and half paramotor. <laughs> Hey, maybe that's what got you all your uh, extra um, subscribers and stuff is the paramotor stuff. So, that's, you know. that's true. I did get some more subscribers, not some scribers. Some subscribers. I got some more some scribers. <laughs> that's what we I'm, call them in the South. All <laughs> 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 <was> right. <laughs> yeah. That's so paramotordude.com goes over to your YouTube channel and you do a vaping uh, podcast on Fridays at, what is it, 8 p.m.? 8, 8 to 10 Eastern Standard Time, yep. Excellent. Be there or be square, right? right. There you it's go. It's a fun Excellent. night to hang out on Friday night with your scuba. I know. It's 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 a good way to start off your weekend, I'll tell you. I know. I love seeing you in Munchkin. It's, it's so much fun. It really is. Just, <laughs> Thanks. Just yeah. Everybody. <laughs> And uh, we also got Will Fly from WillFlyPPG.com, the guy that you want to search for just the tip, but close your eyes when half those search engines things pop up. How are you doing, Will? I'm doing all right, man. It was a great show. I really appreciate Robert and spending the time with us, dude. That was uh, highly entertaining. Very entertaining. And you got what, justthetip.com, and you put out some amazing videos. And if you guys haven't done so already, but I'm sure that you have, check out willflyppg.com, search for willfly on YouTube. And his channel is amazing, highly hit videos, uh, very entertaining and uh, very informative too. Well, thank you. Working on Just the Tip 10.0, coming out here shortly. Excellent. All right. Uh, we also have our Paramom from ParamomUSA.com. Linda Anderson, if you want to be on our show, I'm sorry, if you want to be on her show, uh, get up with her <laughs> and uh, she will uh, hook you up with her very own show. I guess I'm just the co-host because she's the host, the hostess with the mostest. Uh, you can go over to ParamomUSA.com, forwards over to your YouTube channel, but she also has a very famous son that does something on Thursday nights. What's that all about? Thursday night. Night, yes, paraglidingtalk.com with your host Robert Michaels, who is my first son. Well, I have two sons, so he's my number one and my number two son. Um, yeah, just uh, check out a show on Thursday nights. We always have some really cool guests, and um, 
it's a lot of fun. We learn a lot, you know, a lot, a lot of the shows. We just, sometimes we just hang out and uh, talk about safety and all that good stuff. And yeah, it's fun. And I just got to say shout out to my chatters tonight. Thank you so much for hanging with us. I was super excited, you know, all week about this, you know, Monday, tonight show, because it seemed like it's been forever. And, and knowing Rob was going to be on, uh, on our show and everything, I was super stoked and all that stuff. So, like I said, thank you. Thank you again. And everybody, yeah, please be safe out there when you're offline and everything and, you know, enjoy your week and I'll be following all the shows like I do. And I love my para family, you know, I love y'all. And uh, like I said, I got, got to have my second tandem with Eric Lear and uh, Northern Lights Paramotor LLC. And it was uh, something that, you know, every time I go, when I went up, it was just a different experience. And um, I encourage everybody, you know, to try it. Just try it once. So change your life because it changed mine. So that's all I have to say. So thank what? you. And thank you, Robert, for being on our show tonight. Absolutely. And the thing is, too, if you haven't flown yet, and once you take a tandem up with an instructor or you go up for your first right. solo, yes, I forgot to say trike tandem. you yes. are hooked. You are hooked, and this is all you want to do for the rest of your life. Look at Rob. All he wants to do is to, to fly in all the different places around the United States and the world. Man, I tell you, some people live the dream, and Rob definitely is living the dream. Yep. We got our... Up. Our official sponsor, Jim from Canada, A, the guy that has maple syrup smell money. The people that says, hey, Sean, that maple syrup guy, what's his name? Well, it's Jim from Canada. He blew a lot of smoke uh, uh, this last week down to America, but that's okay. He has decals for us. Tell us a little bit about your carepp.com and what you can do. Sure. I can print pretty much anything that you'd like printed. I can do stickers or decals or decals, whichever you want. And uh, uh, something that I do a lot of that I don't mention too often is NCR documents. These are carbonless forms for truckers and for um, service industry where people are going to uh, households and delivering things or writing invoices, all that sort of stuff. So I can do those types of things up for you. And we excel at the designs for people on those two. We've got standard designs for pretty much any industry. That's really cool. You know, one of the things I was, uh, I didn't even think about that, but we have these maintenance logs that we use for um, our wings, our paramotors, everything that we use. Uh, we keep track of uh, hours used by students who uses it, gas, I mean, pretty much everything on these, um, on these maintenance sheets. So if you can do the carbonless, I could send you in these sheets PDF. You can make me carbonless so I can keep a copy in one place and a copy in another place too. Is that correct? That's exactly correct. That is so freaking awesome. I love that. So if you want to get some really cool things done with our very own maple syrup smelling money guy, you can check out carepp.com. Watch his crazy shenanigans over at careppg.com. My name is Sean Simons over here at clear prop tv you can always find us online everywhere if you just want to listen to our show just search for ppg grandpa's paramotor podcast 
Want to see my crazy shenanigans? Check out ppggrandpa.com or iflyparamotors.com. Want to learn how to fly? Go over to paramotorarkansas.com. We are having a state-of-the-art building and school built. We also have a nonprofit organization called runintothesky.org where we're helping disabled people and disabled vets learn to fly and also get adaptive flying machines called paramotors that if you have lost something on your body because you're a disabled veteran, we can actually design custom paramotors for you so you can learn to fly and fly with uh, any time that you want to. Anybody else have any questions in the super chat that we may have missed? Anybody have anything that you want to say or state before we sign off for this week in the on the panel? Chirp, chirp. Yeah, y'all make sure y'all watch um, the Paramotor Hangout tomorrow with Will and Shane because it'll be their last show. Oh, yeah, that's right. Thanks what? For, yep, tomorrow night's our last show, Tuesday night hangout, our Paramotor Hangout. We're going to talk about uh, the fly for gauge flying and go from there. So no more, no more podcast for you guys? Nope. Nope, tomorrow's the last night. What was what was what what I this first I've heard of it. What what's going what why? It just too much going on or Yeah, I think I think Shane needs some uh you know extra time with the family and it's a natural course of a parent, you know, of a podcast, you know. They come, they go, they come back, they go away. <laughs> that's just kind of you know, par for the course. So Gotcha. Well, that's sad to hear. I'm so sad about that. But you know, you guys are always more than welcome to jump on here and and play with us on Monday nights. So I will be there tomorrow at ppgshane.com to watch the last of Paramotor Hangouts. There you go. That's it. <laughs> the, the season end. Oh, I know. That's awful. Well, once again, Rob, uh, thank you so much, buddy. Uh, it's been an absolute blast. I cannot wait to watch the rest of your adventures and uh see you back next year i guess june is the the time to come back every year huh sounds good yeah we'll have to make it maybe like a, a like a longer uh two hour i feel like that hopefully there's a lot of stuff to talk about so we'll have to make it like a double length episode well we're already at two hours and uh, <laughs> i don't think it'd be very difficult to go four or five you know? <laughs> on that note i gotta go to bed and i'm yeah, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's past my bedtime. I'm on yeah. a paramotor schedule. I, I go to sleep uh, an hour ago. So yeah, uh, yeah. We 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 do a lot of you know uh, sun up to sundown seven days a week over at Paramotor Arkansas. So yeah, um, uh, yeah. I'm gonna not get as much sleep as I should. So, anyways, thank you very much, everybody. Uh, love y'all. Uh, take care. Fly safe, and we'll see you tomorrow at ppgshane.com, and then of course uh, on Thursdays. Uh, over at paraglidingtalk.com and Scooby Steve's on Friday, paramotordude.com. Y'all have a great day and don't forget to have a great time flying and uh, we'll see you next week. Peace out, y'all. And if you guys want to stay here, we'll talk a little bit uh, after we stop the live stream. So peace. Poop. Does it say poop? Boop. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. <laughs> well, you know, it was, it was interesting. You said something about uh, your your sons. You got number one son and number two son on the drive <laughs> back from on the drive back from uh, Florida over here. We saw the the, the Buckies, right? There's Buckies everywhere, and their uh, billboard said, "There's two reasons to stop at Buckies. Number one, 
and number two. (laughs) (laughs) That was hilarious. All right. (laughs) We're out of here on the live stream. Peace out, guys. All right. So that's done with that. And we're going to stop the uh, live stream unless there's going to be a... um, uh, uh, a code for next time. Would you want to do a code for next time, Robert? Uh, you want to do a, a special code to get for a giveaway? What should we call it? What should we do the code for? Should we say um, Mexican cartel? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh gosh, code. Um, maybe what was the name maybe, of that lane? Oh yeah, uh, the, the Century Lane. The Century, Century lane. lane. Do we want to just use Century Lane as the uh, code for free gear or free stuff next time? Century Lane. Or or just like Baja. I don't I don't know how you use this code, but Yeah, let's do Baja. All right. That's easy to remember. Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. is. Yeah. All right. Baja will be uh next UBA code for free stuff when we do this skin is it skinny will? Skinny will spinny will. Is it skinny will or spinny wheel? We'll never know. Spinny wheel. I don't know. Skinny will. All right. So Baja, the code for next week. Y'all have a great evening and thank you so much. Peace out.